Well, hello there, everyone. Broadcasting from the White Gold Tower, from Somerset Isles to Skyrim, from High Rock to Morrowind, this is the Alliance, the ESO Alliance, an alliance of podcasters and fan sites for the Elder Scrolls and the Elder Scrolls Online. These are the people you go to for the latest and most accurate information about the Elder Scrolls game you're playing or news on Elder Scrolls Online. We're here on one show, once a month, allied together. Thanks for hanging out with us today, guys. Today is Freydas, Morningstar the 24th. And we're going to be talking about the latest dev play session video that came out early this week. As well as, <gasps> Tiso receives an M-plus rating from the ESRB. Scandalous! Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> and the, vo- <laughs> the voice cast has been, has been revealed. Uh, we'll also be talking about some common misconceptions, such as, Forbes said ESO will be a financial disaster, so it must be true. And the game's going to fail. Or the game's going to be a wow killer. I am your humble host and fellow Tamrielic traveler, Ivarwin. And I am joined by my awesome, awesome friends and great Elder Scrolls fans as well. Not Josh, but Kyle. (laughs) Josh! Josh from the Shoddy Cast makes his return! And the crowd says nothing. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for having me back, guys. It's a pleasure, an honor, and a privilege. Great to great to have you back, man. Uh, we missed you on on uh, Elder Scrolls Alliance too. Uh, and we have Kyle from the Shoddy Cast as well. Hello, welcome. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and Andrew, the Emperor himself from Tamriel <laughs> Foundry. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. That's right, man. So, uh, and also, I'm joined by the one and only from Elder Scrolls Off the Record, the Lore Master himself, Lewis the Lore Master Olan. Hello, everyone. What's going on? Great to uh, great to all be hanging out together. So, uh, thanks everyone for for uh, hanging out with uh, coming out tonight and. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm ready to start talking about some of these things. Let's uh, check. There's an echo, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. It might be the culprit there. I don't know. They said it happened with me. Did it happen with anyone else? Well, I I believe I may have um, taken care of the problem. So if the if the if it's still ex- ex- being experienced in the chat room, just let me know, and we may have to uh, redo things. But hopefully not. Yeah. Hey, it's not a show without at least several technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. You get you get five people on webcam together, and something's bound to explode. I oh, think it's yeah. like one of the that's like one of the laws in, of the universe that you learn about in like high school physics or something. I don't know. I feel something like I learned that. about that. It's got to happen. Yeah. It's not a live show without some sort of technical. That's part of the charm of a live show. Is is all of that. Um, Andrew, what's what's uh, before we I guess before we get into some of our show topics, why don't we find out a little bit about what's going on around around the uh, Shoddy Cast, Tamriel Foundry uh, circles? Uh, Andrew, what's what's uh, what's new? What can we look forward to? Oh, well, okay. Well, this one's easy mm-hmm. uh, because tomorrow, Saturday, on Tamriel Foundry, we are privileged to have the one, the only 
Mr. Paul Sage. Gasp. Awesome. Yeah. The, the crowd goes wild. Uh, <laughs> creative, creative director of The Elder Scrolls Online. He's going to be on the site answering your questions. So if you guys are available uh, on Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, pop over to Tamriel Foundry and you'll have the chance to, um, to pose some questions to the Sagester uh, himself. <laughs> Uh, who will be who will be on hand to to answer some stuff? So shame that shameless plug aside, I think that's going to be a really great chance to to ask some questions about uh, you know PVE encounters. You're going to be talking a lot about the the PVE side of the game, like what we saw in the the developer playthrough that we are going to talk about later in the show. So think of your questions now and head to TF tomorrow, and maybe he will answer them for you. Awesome. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome, and uh, we'll we'll probably talk a little bit more about that later on in the show, uh, maybe just to remind folks. But um, yeah, I'm I'm personally really excited about about the news that came out earlier this week, saying that they're going to start focusing more on the PVE content, which is uh, something that that I think we brought up on on uh, Elder on uh, ESO Alliance too. So they listened to Andrew. That's what they did. <laughs> I love I love the PvP stuff. I was good with it, but it's I'm I'm glad to, I'm glad they're starting to showcase some of the PVE stuff too. That's for sure. It's been the, needed. The the PvP stuff. Um, the the PvP stuff. Do you do you think it's do you think it's like really 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 important for them to to talk about about PvP early? early in the game to, to sort of let people know that, Hey, you know, there's this game, unlike a lot of other MMOs is going to have, you know, really awesome PVP or, I mean, do you think that's important? Do you think that, that maybe, you know, it's just as important as maybe anything else I could have talked about, Andrew? Oh, I think it's just as important as the other, you know, end game aspects of the, of, of the game itself. I just think that's what they had done. You know, that's what they've been, able to get footage for you know that's they I, I i'm suspecting that that's what zenimax felt they could put their best foot forward with pvp first while they were mm-hmm. still you know polishing up some of their pve encounters i don't i don't know for sure but that's kind of the way it felt like to me i don't think it's more important or less important i mean i think i think conventional wisdom of the mmo genre is probably would probably say that pve endgame is more important uh, in terms of retaining subscribers, I'm just you know I'm a huge PvP fan myself, so yeah. Okay. I don't know. And uh, Josh and Kyle from Shoddycast, what's what's new over on on uh, your end of the interwebs? <laughs> Doing our thing, you know. We got our ESO weekly thing going on. Really looking forward to this PV, uh, PVE stuff going on. Because I mean, as much as we love PvP, you can only talk about it so much before you start getting burned out. So I'm really glad that they're doing this, but I understand why they were doing it because, you know, a lot of these people, these players that are going to be playing ESO are coming from test games. And what is test games? It's pretty much all PVE stuff. So they're kind of just announcing that, yeah, there's stuff here for people that aren't just the test players, for the MMO players. They have something to play. And so now they're going to start going into the PVE stuff to just to kind of balance things out and make sure people aren't like, oh, so all there is is PVP in this game. Um, so now that that completely didn't answer what we're actually doing on the channel. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's a question that I, I sort of threw out in, in the introduction part of the show and, you know, I, I want everyone to weigh in on it, so it it doesn't matter. 
You know? I think Josh. it's good to see the change of pace. What yeah. are we doing, Josh? I just oh, what are we doing? Like on the shoddy casts? Yeah, uh, yeah. We're making the videos. They're nice. People watch them and they like them. I don't know. Just ESO Weekly. We've always been extremely predictable. ESO Weekly every Wednesdays. Sadly, we don't get the benefits that Andrew does. The devs love that guy. He's a likable dude. Us, not so much. Oh, well, just look down there. Look at his sweet scruff, man. How do you not love that face? Uh, maybe, maybe I could convince the the chat room to maybe shout out at the devs here, and maybe we could get a hold of another another interview. But uh, for now, it's just Kyle and I uh, speculating it up in there. But you don't know how many how many bribes I have to slide them under the table to grease the wheels. No, oh, I'm just yeah. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> it's not it's not it's not that shady. They're good. They're good people. Um, also, I, I feel I, I would be remiss if I did not at least uh, welcome and say hi to our chat room. Uh, they're joining us tonight as well. And of course, you know, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen in the chat room, if you have something important to say, hopefully these guys will be able to catch it and maybe bring it up and, and we'll talk about it on the show as well. And uh, we also want to welcome uh, Jess, uh, Jessamax and Gina Max. Jessica and Gina are wonderful <laughs> community managers at uh, Zenimax Online Studios over there. Yay! Thanks for joining us, ladies. Uh, they're very generous with their time, and um, we appreciate them coming out and braving the chat room. So that brings me over to Lou, our our lore master, and one day the hopeful uh, apprentice to Lawrence Schick. <laughs> one day. One day. You better start growing that, that beard out. Yeah. Right now. Start working on it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's take me all year for that. Damn. <laughs> what, um, what, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it's kind of silly to ask, but, um, because, I mean, we're part of the same, we're part of the same network, we're part of the same show, but, I mean, is there anything regarding Elder Scrolls off the record or, or QGN that you want to sort of shout out? Well, apologies. First of all, we have an episode last night. Uh, you know, we had yeah. too many real life issues pop up, so we couldn't do it. Yeah. But, uh, I know we're going to do classic Elder Scrolls night tonight. Later on, hopefully. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, we've got classic Elder Scrolls night uh, coming out tonight. Hopefully, to to make up for the loss of of last night's show. Sorry about that, folks. Yeah, so come join us as we heckle Ivarwin <laughs> as he, you know, journeys through what are you Oblivion tonight? <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be still playing the Dark some Brotherhood. More. Still the Dark Brotherhood, <laughs> of course. Still out yeah. of lockpicks. Damn it! Still running out of lockpicks. I, I would like to change up the game, but you know, I, I want people to see the the Dark Brotherhood quest chain in Oblivion. That was that was a goal I set for myself, and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna achieve it. So we'll get there. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Goals are flexible. Um, <laughs> they're not. But <laughs> all right, guys. So let's. I guess let's let's get into our first discussion point here, and that is de- dev play session. Group content video released on uh, what is this Tuesday? What is that? No one, no one knows what that is. It's Teardos Morning Star the twenty first, or uh, Tuesday the twenty first. If you want to be boring about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna play the video for you here right now. So uh, hold on tight, guys. Strap in as uh, as we as we get that going for you in uh, just uh, just a second. Enjoy.
Hi, I'm Paul Sage. Hi, I'm Nick Conkle. Hi, I'm Dan Crenshaw. And we're here to talk about the group gameplay in Tamriel. Yeah, so here what we're looking at is a, an overland boss monster. One of the things we looked at is the fact that people at first really kind of like to get their legs, so to speak, under them by playing alone. And so what we wanted to do is provide um, friction elements uh, to really get people involved in playing with other people because we don't want to force you to play with others. We want to give you encouragement. So we opened up here with uh, Sorcerer's Crystal Shard, kind of stunned the guy right off. Uh, I'm the healer there, just went into Lightning Farm, we'll do it again, yeah. Um, so that's going to reduce my damage, uh, so I usually pop that when the uh, boss has turned to target me. Uh, you see me blocking there as he unleashed his AoE. Uh, I popped the, heal the Healing Ward, or Steadfast Ward, on my buddy Eric there since he was getting focused by the boss. Um, and now I'm just spamming. Yeah, he gets, when he gets to low health, it's time for Mage's Fury. So we have, we have pretty furious. You know, the executabilities in our game are really useful and very popular. So when you get a, a boss down uh, to a certain health threshold, everyone kind of just goes into execute mode and try and finish them off as fast as you can. This is um, trying to find uh, a group member. And the, and the fact that, you know, we, we don't want you to, we want to make sure that the world is big and therefore we put lots of exploration points, but we don't want to artificially keep you from people by making it to where, you know, it takes an hour to get to somebody. So we have fast travel mechanisms where you can use either these way shrines, which is what you're seeing here, or, uh, you know, if you're actually in the group, um, you can teleport uh, to that nearest group member, which, which may put you at a way shrine just because we have to put a safe place. Uh, but the idea is to get you with your group members as fast as possible. Yeah, and being able to just pop open your map, click on that way shrine, and instantly teleport there uh, anywhere anywhere that you've already discovered is really nice. And this is a dark anchor encounter. Yeah, anytime you see something like this out in the world and you know, hey, there's six guys there and they're performing some sort of super ritual and I'm pretty sure something terrible is going to happen after that, you want to be able to quickly get a friend to come with you because you're not going to be able to take that out by yourself probably. That guy's going to be fine. Trust, <laughs> trust me, guys. I don't think he's going to be fine no, no, at it's, all. It's going to be great. <laughs> he's, he's floating in midair. No, just, oh, think, oh, yeah. Um, he, he, <laughs> yeah, so he got sacrificed, and in his place, bad things. Um, I think one of the funniest things about no, Dark Inc. He's going to be fine, too. <laughs> oh, he's not going to be fine at all. No, that feels good. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy floating up into the sky. Countdown to one shot. Three. Two, one, one shot. There's nothing wrong with uh, sneaking up with a bow. Yes, that guy was dead. <laughs> one shot. Get the AOEs. With, uh, the idea is, is that Moloch Ball, uh, who's this you know, a Daedric prince, is trying to pull the world, which is called Nern, into his realm of Cold Harbor um, and, and basically make it a bad time for everybody. So this is, this is one of those anchor points, and that's why you see all of uh, his minions spawning in. Uh, these Daedra are trying to prepare the way uh, for him to bring Nern into Cold Harbor. This this Dark Anchor's not given up easily. Um, you know, I think we're we're pretty well positioned here to make sure that we can, you know. But you can we can see monsters. Every person's engaged in an individual little fight, and um, uh, Dan sort of in the back healing, but also dealing with guys that are rushing at him. So there's just there's just enough action that if you uh if you aren't coordinated and working together like this then you know everyone will just scatter and die on their own um, so you know dark anchors really started to take off when we introduced the mechanics of uh, you know the switches there or the pinions that you have to release and you have to decide 
okay, which one of us is going to go stop fighting the monsters to go run over and hit the pinions? It just added, you know, a few more interesting decision points in the uh, gameplay there. Yeah, I really like the feel of it versus how, like, it used to feel more like a like an arena, you know, a game style, and this is more like more like Balls trying to defend himself, throwing everything he's got at you, and, and you sort of have to just deal with all the problems, and they're just coming constantly. Probably want to protect the healer there. Yeah, there you go. Oh, is that, is that the crystal mortar there? I love that one. Yeah, I really like just how it's just a continuous wave of all kinds of terrible things from from all, all kinds of terrible Daedric uh, enemies, right? and you know, and because of that unpredictability, you want to make sure you bring a, a you know really flexible uh, party and build to the to the situation. You know, when we switch back and forth between first person and third person. Uh, you know, I know a lot of the guys around here uh, like to play in third person. Uh, just because of the situational awareness, but almost every time I'll play in first person uh, just because I really like the level of detail it provides and, and some of the cues are easier to read, actually. I like the bow first person in particular, too. There's something I mean, there's something about the aiming that, that feels very good to me when I when I play that way versus um, in melee, a, a lot more often I like to play in third person. I think something worth pointing out, too, about the what you're seeing on screen right here is that it's the Dragon Knight um, Firestaff build, but he's wearing heavy armor. So it's kind of an unusual combination, right? There isn't really an archetype that that fits with, per se. It's a little mage, it's a little battle mage. Um, so, and it's just something that people found on their own. It wasn't necessarily something we um, we, we built the game around. It, it, was a, it was a build that emerged naturally when people sort of found the synergy between uh, the, the Fire Staff and, and some of the Dragon Knight abilities. So it's pretty popular, and it's also it's also quite survivable. You can see them both tanking and and dishing out some pretty solid AOE damage. So I I really think my clan fear is beating us all. The <laughs> clan fear, that thing's doing work. Get it done, clan fear. Yeah, he's taking on that storm mage knock. <laughs> oh, that was the Templar spear. Yeah, yeah spearing him for days there. You know, I, th I think if you're playing uh, the bow Templar. Uh, is certainly that spear ability that knocks him down. Yeah, it's pretty um, cornerstone. Yeah, is <laughs> is very helpful. And then if you take the bow ability, which is scatter shot, uh, you've got another uh, knockdown, so you can take on three opponents pretty easily. Uh, yeah, so I, I chose the sorcerer healer because um, I love the heal staff abilities first off, and uh, the sorcerer gets a ton of mana regen. Dark exchange. Um, yeah, and the dark exchange ability, which basically lets me sacrifice stamina, which as a healer I'm not using a whole lot, right. uh, to regen both health and mana. So yeah. just well, awesome all around. Well, speaking of sacrifices, yeah. we have this, <laughs> have this going on. You know, for uh, practice being illegal, Daedric worship sure does play a yeah, lot. It's, in. it's awfully prevalent. <laughs> yeah. This is a harvester. You can see that there's a little orb on the side of your screen there that just got exploded that uh, will, will gradually restore health um, if you don't stop it from getting to the, to the harvester. That's sort of how you take her down. Uh, and there's four of them that spawn, and you have to take them, take them out before they get to her. Um, nice dodge. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet dodge roll. I think a harvester is actually uh, one of our unique Daedra for uh, Elder Scrolls Online, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that's at the end of all the waves, or, or the, all the, the sort of continuous waves, there's one giant boss, and then you get the opportunity to knock out the thing for good, uh, which is what's happening here. And you can see, like, it was, in, it was in a really bad place. The world was warped around this, and after you take it out, it sort of returns to normal. You know, the skies go back to clear. Yeah, these sparkles. Yeah, take yeah. that, ball. Stay out of our Tamriel. Hey, hey! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> epic, epic, 
Epic. I'll take one of those, please. Yeah, exactly. Holy Moses. Just absolutely gorgeous. So, what does everyone think? <laughs> I know what everyone's thinking. Everyone's thinking that the conk is a badass. He is the most <laughs> badass of all the devs. Did you see him call his shot like that? Three, two, one. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The second time seeing it, the second time around was even better. It was great. But uh, I love the devs. Obviously, one of the first things I'm going to say off the bat is because it was always one of my battles and one of the things that I've struggled with is the whole first-person, third-person perspective. And then pointing out the fact that absolutely, third-person, you're getting that strategic look and stuff. But man, did first-person look gorgeous in this video when they switched to it, particularly yeah. the uh, spell effect. I don't know what that was, that stone shards thing that they were doing. Yes. The spell effects look amazing, amazing in first-person. Absolutely really, gorgeous. Really, really well done. And then what the makes first-person it... Yeah, absolutely. And what makes it all the better is that there's no freaking floating numbers everywhere, right? No numbers popping up because that's what oh, I'm yeah. always expecting. Whenever I'm seeing an MMO with a lot of like characters getting attacked and monsters dying, I'm expecting those damage numbers to pop up all the time and to have sure. that not there. Really just I can feel myself being immersed into that. It looks like a lot of fun. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, I mean, I think it was probably the best gameplay video they've done yet. Uh, I mean, there's there's not a lot that they've you know shown of the game yet, but that I think for me that was hands down the best thing they've shown mm-hmm. so far. I mean, I think one of the things um, that that was pointed out just by so many people in, in chat and and just by Josh right now is like about the the interface there's so many different opinions about the interface some people love it how open and clean it is some people are like you know where's the information where's the you know combat log where's the uh damage numbers and i think that's like really indicative uh you know with so many other things of like exactly how many different types of gamers are psyched about eso or at least looking into eso um so i don't know i think it was really it was really great to get a glimpse of like what actual gameplay looks like I was really digging the dev that uh, playing the Dragon Knight that was running around with his infinite stamina and magicka did, hack on. That was pretty that, cool. Did that <laughs> shock anybody when when Nick revealed that? By the way, this is one of the Dragon Knight Fire Staff builds. Did that shock anybody that once he mentioned that, like, oh my god, yeah, that's a Dragon Knight, and not necessarily like, you know, a mage or a sorcerer? Or, you know, did that yeah, shock anyone? Kind of, yeah, you would kind of think like that's. That what it would be just in your mind, you kind of think, yeah, that's a sorcerer. But then, yeah, it kind of just dawns on you. Oh, yeah, you don't have to be only a sorcerer to be able to use the the stabs. Anyone can do that. So it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it uh, it it definitely shocked me as as a person who who um, has never even touched Dragon Knight yet um, and knows nothing about the class. I can actually say that I was just what I saw. I was like, oh, okay, he's staff in his hand he's probably a sorcerer and then all of a sudden he's like yeah so that's one of the you know fire staff uh dragon knight bills i'm like oh yeah that's right wow that really works god (laughs) oh yeah so an award-winning combo right there you have 
what you have essentially is a battle mage, right? Mm -hmm. A mage that can deal out the DPS with all their fire spells, which fire spells usually in video games are the more damaging type abilities. Right. But they can also hold their own because, yes, they're wearing that heavy armor. I'm sure the Dragon Knight has some very, very defensive abilities as we've seen, you know, with the whole spike armor and stuff like that. And it all goes back to what I think really shown through in this video too, which is that every character, every every player there was really holding their own in battle. You know what I mean? You you didn't have to see yeah. a, a a tank like draw all the aggro off of everyone. We know we're gonna have the Holy Trinity in this game. We're gonna have the tank, the heals and the DPS and all that. But it's nice to know that even though we're having that, we're also going to have the ability to, yes, hold our ground on our own as well. And, you know, maybe the tank doesn't have to be it's aggroing every possible monster. You know, maybe yeah. other monsters can be hitting other guys as well, you know? Yeah, it's not It's not a what, – what, what struck me about this is um, how fluid the, the group dynamic really is. I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not bull. I mean, there it is right there. You can see that, you know, the healer is actually doing damage. You know, you can see that you know, the people are, they don't necessarily need a tank to take every every ounce of damage in order to survive in the group. Everyone was doing damage, including, you know, like I said, including the healer, including the tank. And so it was just very fluid, you know, combat group dynamics. And it, it looked fantastic. And uh, it looked... It looked natural, and I think that's one thing that that maybe if you play a lot of MMOs, um, you you don't you don't necessarily get you know. It, yeah, yeah. Can I point out the word you said? You, I think you just struck it perfectly right on the head when you said that it looked natural. Because what yeah. do we get in a lot of MMOs that have the Holy Trinity? We get the tank running in and drawing all the aggro. And what do you see? You see just this clump of monsters kind of like just all on top of them. And that's it. Battle and war, you know, it's supposed to be chaotic. It's supposed to be natural. And that's exactly right. I think you nailed it. What do you think, Lou? What's some of your thoughts on on that video? Um, I, I think this is, again, uh, a nice progression on the group content they've shown in the past. It highlighted a lot more dynamic gameplay that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I do like the fact that they, they did highlight that everyone in the group is going to be busy. Uh, as you guys have just mentioned, yes, we are aware that people are, are going to build their build their whole trinity. Okay? They're going to build a tank. They're going to build DPS. They're going to build a heal right off the bat because that's what they're used to. But as we just saw in that video, it really didn't matter what role you are because guess what, Bunky? you got to do all three. Bunky. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to do all three roles. You're not going to be just, all I do is heal. No. No, by the way, you're going to have to tank for yourself a little bit because maybe the tank and the DPS are busy. Because guess what? The tank's got someone. Each DPS has someone on them. Now you've got your own to take care of. You know, now you have to defend for yourself. I think that's what may scale a lot of people is the fact that it shakes them out of the comfort zone, knowing that, you know, not only do you build your role that you're so used to, but you have to be able to on the fly do the other two as well, because guess what? If there's no aggro table, you may just beat the tank. Exactly. <laughs> At a drop of a hat, so you're going to have to be prepared to do it. Uh, just to mention, I know I know a lot of guys want to jump in on something right now, but I just want to mention, I think it's important to say that the, the class builds that we had out there was a fire staff wielding dragon knight, a bow wielding templar, and a heal staff sorcerer. So just in case the chat room was wondering, uh, that's that's what was going on out there. 
Um, Kyle, do you have uh, do you have anything else you want to you want to add on this? Any thoughts? I'm sure we've got well, plenty around the room. Yeah, I just wanted to ask first of all, did it annoy anyone else that there was that sky shard sitting there while they were fighting that storm atronach <laughs> and no one got it after they killed it? <laughs> you just had that spotlight in the sky. Yes, the spotlight <laughs> in the sky, and no one even went over there and got it. I didn't it was want just to, to loot first, skill points later. Right, I didn't want to be the one crack <laughs> addict uh, that saw that. But thank you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I also want to. I do love the play style of this game, though. It's kind of like a mixture between your your Holy Trinity kind of thing, and also like what Guild Wars Two kind of did, where everyone's the healer, the tank, the DPS. Everyone does everything, so it's kind of a mix between that. So yeah, you can have a person there that is the more tanky character, so he can take more damage, but then everyone can take some damage and could pull aggro away while the healer at, like tops off the person that's getting a beat down. Mm. So I just like that mix. It looks to me like there's not going to be group combat situations where like certain roles are like just boring or static. Like even healing, it looks like you've you've got a lot to do in terms of what to avoid, where to you know, positioning, you know, how to target your heals effectively. You know, I'm glad that they're not having a system where there's going to be some role in group PVE where it's like you're the guy who's just standing at the back of the group decursing every five seconds or whatever. You know, it's like we've seen that, and it sounds like. You know they've got a lot more engagement for for anyone uh, in the group. At least it looks that way to me. I mean, this was only a four person encounter, but um, yeah, I also thought it was pretty interesting. So that you know everyone sort of was focusing on the dark anchor fight, but at the beginning of the video, there was this sort of roaming, or at least it looked like it was roaming boss that was in the open world areas. And so I'm I'm curious what you guys think about that. Do you guys think there will be like specific places where you'll know you'll be able to go and look for bosses or do you think there'll be like big bosses like roaming across the map or uh you know what did you guys take away from that first fight i hope it's random i hope it's random (laughs) i think there might be both like there'll probably be places where you can find what are they called like overworld bosses or whatever um, but then you may find like the really rare like world boss spawns that do maybe meander through the map or something like. That. At least I hope they do that. But uh, yeah, I think it's probably probably going to be both. Now, Kyle, you used to hunt those right for a living, at least in in World of Warcraft. You would you I remember you'd have your your uh, website up, looking up the locations they could possibly spawn and stuff. Oh, don't go back to those days of just sitting. That's back when like player griefing was the thing to do. And so, yeah, you would just be sitting there 16 hours waiting for some boss to spawn, you know, have your computer set up so it would ding whenever it would spawn or something. And then sure enough, you get there and it's already been tagged. And then you start cussing uh, and maybe get kicked off the server for a while. What was that uh, one just... in, uh, what was that, West Westfield in um, on the Alliance side near Stormwind? It was a big, uh, it was a big no. bird. I think that might have been it. I was thinking of the one uh, proto dragon, that time one. Yeah, those are was... just frustrating mechanics, though. But I, I do think it'd be cool <laughs> if there were like unique or rare bosses that you had to like look around for that weren't always in the same place. I don't know if they're doing that or not, but I mean, it kind of looked like in the video, like the Atronach was like he was like cruising, he was going somewhere when they when they jumped on him. I don't know if he's just like walking around in a little circle or if he was like I don't know marauding across the countryside or whatever but i think it'd be pretty cool if you had to like track some of these things down uh to take them out yeah i i sort of my 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 hope is is that um little bosses like that 
in the game, you don't necessarily have to get a quest for in order to go find, kill, and then and then feel epic afterward. I would really like it if you just sort of came upon these things. You're like, whoa, that's a it's a big dude over there, and then you realize it's a it's a world yep. boss, and then you get your little achievement after getting a group together. And I'm sort of hoping for that. What about you, Lou? What say you? Uh, I really hope it's both that they do have you know bosses like set up like that in you know regular static places, maybe doing a little circle around their area. Mm-hmm. But I also do like the fact that you'll have these bosses randomly patrolling or just walking around the zone they're in, um, like you guys just mentioned before with World of Warcraft. Uh, one of my first experiences was back in EQ1, uh, South Row. There was this one sand giant called Kazel. He roamed the entire zone. Hmm. I mean, the entire zone. So it didn't matter where you were. Sooner <laughs> or later, you get hit by this guy. And one of the announcements in general chat for that zone was the giant's coming or he's in this position. <laughs> you know, because he could literally just walk in in the middle of a fight and he'll just stomp your entire group <sighs> or just one shot you <laughs> while you're questioning <laughs> or gathering materials, doing stuff like that. So. You know, that, that kept people on edge, you know, kept people awake while questing. So to me, that means a lot of excitement, a lot of, you know, that, that thrill uh, of playing in that particular, you know, in a zone. Um, it's, it's interesting that, that Andrew brought up in the beginning of the video because I, I, think, I think Andrew's got a point that the main focus here is, is definitely the dark anchor thing in the video. But um, the, the waypoint system is something that they brought yeah. up in the very beginning of the video. And I hear a lot of times, a lot of the hardcore elder scrolls fans out there are saying like, ah, oh, fast travel and, you know, waypoint system. Like that's not elder scrolls. And what, <laughs> what are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. That game is nothing but fast travel. Every little location you stumble across a rock on the side of the road. And that place is forever marked rock on the side of the road. And you can travel there. It's crazy. I mean, a lot of people are talking about Morrowind whenever they say something or something else is not Elder Scrolls. They're not. They're talking about in Morrowind it was this way, and I mean Morrowind had travel paths and stuff. But yeah, I don't. It's like even Daggerfall had had fast travel. I, I yeah. I mean, it's it's just a fact of life. I mean, uh, is that really a fact of life? I, I don't know. But <laughs> it's just it's just a fact. Daggerfall fact of had. Our life. Right, exactly. Um, it, it, I mean, even Daggerfall had it. Now, Marwind approached it differently, but you know, there are a lot of people that that say like, "Oh, it's not. It does. It's not Elder Scrolls. It, that's too much of an MMO mechanic. It doesn't belong in my Elder Scrolls." And you know, I hear that a lot, and and I see it a lot. And I, I'm glad Josh, you jumped on that because I was actually I had it in my mind to ask Josh because you know you're you're definitely the a long time Elder Scrolls uh, fan and, and, you know, one of the more open fanatics I happen to know of. And I was waiting for your input on that. So I'm glad you jumped in because you definitely proved my oh, point. Oh, you bet. Like an attack dog. Just yeah. Let me go. <laughs> you also see people saying like PVP is an Elder Scrolls and it's like, well, yeah, they're, they're single player games. <laughs> You're not going to have PVP. Yeah. So I don't know. Before anything great was added to the Elder Scrolls, it wasn't Elder Scrolls. Yeah. You know, that's just restricting, you know, innovation and, and you know, new things. It, there's some people that just, they're stuck in their ways and that's the way it is. But, you know, there's usually no talking to those people sometimes. For, Very For true. me, the problem isn't whether or not you have fast travel in the game. Fast travel is fine. It's, you know, how do your game systems work with fast travel? How, you know, how easily does fast travel facilitate you're playing the game. I mean, if you're just porting from one place to another, being like, I finish a quest, I finish a quest, I finish a quest, all right, here's some more quests. Let me, you know, port to three more places and finish three more 
quests, you know? It's like, in that case, you've got fast travel that's sort of hurting the, you know, the authenticity or the enjoyment of your game. But, you know, if there's way shrines around the map where it's like, okay, I want to go to a region, but then I'm going to venture out on foot or on my horse and, like, look for some adventure on my own, I mean, that's, that's fast travel I can totally live with. So, you know, it remains to be seen at least for me, like exactly how much the way shrines do in terms of making it to where you can just sort of zap around to, to your little breadcrumb objectives. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Well, being that like you have to actually discover these way shrines to be even able to use them anyways. I mean, that kind of shows that they are still promoting exploration. Yeah. They're just making it easier for it to return to places you've already been. Plus they've been saying like they're designing these quests so that like, you don't have to keep returning back like every single time you complete a quest. You have to go all the way back to where you got the quest to begin with. Oh, that's I know good. they were talking about that kind of stuff. And also like how you can even complete a quest and you didn't even know you did because you found something at the end of some dungeon. And then all of a sudden you can now find a person and yeah. give it to them. So I know they're designing the game with exploration in mind. And I don't think that these way shrines are going to hinder that at all. You don't have to use them if you don't want to. I mean, they're just there. So why remove something for someone else that could use them if you have the option not to use them? Right. How does how does Way Shrines look? Uh, well, we'll you know we'll start with Lou. How how does it look for you, man? I think it's a great mechanic. Um, obviously, you know they're not. Uh, I mean, I've only seen the map once or a couple times when we were at PAX East. All right. So I only saw a couple of them when I was uh, playing with Dave. So they're not everywhere. I mean, a lot of people are scared that it ruins the immersion of the game. Well, you know what? As I just pointed out, you know, you don't have to use it. Mm. It's there for a reason. You know, if you don't want to use it, don't use it. But, you know, don't let – don't take away from someone else's uh, preference for it. Yeah, and I think you as know? Andrew pointed out, I mean, if it's if it's overkill on a map, these, these way shrines, if it's overkill on a map, that can definitely – you know, that can be a problem. But, you know, if it's overused, but um, from what I can tell – didn't look overused at all. In fact, it, it looked quite strategic. You know, you got a giant map and then maybe, you know, a couple of way shrines and, you know, to walk from one to the other is definitely going to take you some time. Long one time. Thing I, one thing I was concerned about, and I don't know if this is just temporary or not, but I did notice that, you know, it's free. You can travel from the, the one way shrine to another for free. There wasn't, you didn't have to pay anything and maybe that's intended they did say in the past that if you like you there there's some ability you have that lets you teleport to a way shrine if you're not already at one and that i think they said costs money but you know i I hope that there's some actual economics involved with the travel systems in the game to you know because you need little systems like that to help prevent inflation of your in-game economy so i hope that they have some you know some stuff like that in place to, to to drain some gold out of the circulation but travel is usually a good way for mmos to do that and i noticed that the 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 fast travel was free in this case did you notice that everyone who was playing with that dark anchor was level 40 did you guys notice that no i didn't realize that it dawned on me because i'm watching the battle and i'm thinking man this is like some really epic looking you know there's a real epic looking fight going on I wonder if this is like a level 50 end game kind of a fight. And then I, I noticed that everyone was in was level 40. That's 
10 levels away from from end game and if you're you know if you're an mmo player you know that 10 levels away from from end game might as well be 20 or 30 levels away i mean it's it's just <laughs> it's not even close to what you're experiencing at the end game and that kind of struck me because you know here we've got a really epic fight you know, far away from, from end, end game. And, uh, it didn't seem monotonous. It seemed really interesting and fun. And I think that bodes well for what the end game PVE content is, is going to be. I agree. Good point. I noticed a lot of people were comparing the dark anchor sequence to rift. And the, I mean, I guess before rift, you had like the public quests in, in Warhammer online that, mm. you know, develop some of these systems and i think it is reminiscent of that i'm curious like it looked like the dark anchor had like a, a few different stages it was kind of hard to tell because of like the camera work and stuff but i like that system i think it's like a really good way to sort of spontaneously let people form up groups and and do things that are, are harder than they could do on their own yeah, yeah. I, I think as long as it's used sparingly because the only my only complaint about the rifts riffs <laughs> were that there were too many of them but th- besides so that they... they were fun events very fun events i mean that was like the name of their game though i mean it's not this isn't yeah. like dark anchor online yeah. so i feel like hopefully <laughs> hopefully they're like used a little more sparingly than they were <laughs> yeah they look like to be designated locations too right like that place where they were sacrificing that guy was this altered looking location it's not like the Rift system where it seemed to be more randomized? That's a question. I don't know. <laughs> Looked like it to me. I mean, yeah, there was that big like stone pedestal that the anchor came and attached to, so that might mean that the the anchor locations are more fixed. Okay. A good observation, I think. Hmm. All right, guys. Uh, ready to move on to our next topic then? Let's. Well, I still, I still want to hear what you guys think. I mean about the interface i know you know josh said his his thoughts on it and maybe you have like something else you think about that but Mm -hmm. you guys like the sort of there's you know very open minimalistic i noticed like there wasn't a chat log there wasn't a combat log uh you know it's like you could sort of tell what you were doing because you see your spell effects and stuff you could you know slam your staff down and there's a big fireball but like do you guys feel like you're did it look like you were really connected? Would you would you guys like more information? Um, in well, me in particular, and then and then. Um, well, no, let's go over to Lou. Lou, what do you think? And then I'll I'll pick up after him. Sure. You know what? I, I like the interface as it appeared in the group video, but I'm also one for having or giving players as many options as possible. So, if there is a way for them to actually put in, you know, an option to turn on a combat log, you know, to put on that fly text. And so forth. I I say go for it. And as with anything else, you know, it's a choice. You don't have to use it, but it's there if you want to. You know, all these elements that a lot of people are talking about in the chat room, you know, those are great tools to have. And you know, to not have them I, I think would wouldn't hurt, but you know, I I would miss it. Mm. You know, I, I would definitely want to give players as many choices as possible. You know, if it hurts your immersion, great. You know what? Go to the options, go to that preference setting, turn those things off. And, you know, play the game you want to play. If, you know, if I want to see fly text for a particular reason, like I, if I want to test something, if I want to see if this bow works well, what have you, with how I'm playing, then, you know, I, I'd like to see it. Yeah. I, I mean, options. I think that yeah. I think you, that's the one word that sums it up for me, options. I mean, you see in chat, 
I, it's probably worth giving the full disclaimer that Zenimax has said the ESO UI is going to be moddable. Uh, you're going to, you know, any programmers out there are going to be able to use Lua, uh, which is a scripting language uh, for designing interface elements, and you're going to be able to do things in the game that will be able to add or, or remove or change interface elements. And I mean, well, it remains to be seen how much you know modders can do with that, but but people are going to be able to add some of that stuff if they want to. Yeah, that's. Um, I think that's the ultimate option right there. Uh, now, me personally, I like the minimalist look that they've got going on. I noticed that there was no mini map. Uh, that's that's uh, very interesting, especially in an, in an MMO. You usually got a mini map in one of the corners in your screen. Um, but uh, you know, Andrew, I think I think you you brought up a fantastic point. Is is that even if you don't like what's going on in your user interface, there's going to be tons of mods out there for for mod developers. Uh, who who know Lua, who are going to be able to you know come up with just unbelievable ways of of interfacing with with your game that um you'll be able to you know download after after some time. So wait a second, you're telling me that people like to mod for Elder Scrolls games? <laughs> <laughs> come on, get out of here. That's Why so... have you guys told me about this before? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I definitely think that you'll a lot of the you know things that people are saying in chat, like where's the X? I, I feel like most most of those things will end up being in the game, or at least being an option, even if you have to get a, a mod to do it. Where's the I, X? Where... No, I mean just like any any feature, any like random oh, feature. Uh, like oh, right, I want right, right. combat text, or I want a log, or I want a mini map, okay. or whatever. I think I may but, have taken you too literally on that. Yeah, a little. <laughs> yeah. Where's the X? Uh, Is there treasure there? Is there treasure? What's <laughs> going on, guys? There might be. Uh, I don't know. I I do. I wonder though if it, it's going to turn a little bit of the game into sort of the haves or the have-nots. You know, it's like the people that are using that sort of information to the fullest to optimize their character or their gameplay. Is it, you know, are the people that refrain from using mods going to be like the keyboard turners of ESO? You know, like are, are they going to be sort of like second-class citizens when it comes to competitive? gameplay i i hope not but i mean the the interface is really minimal like there's not a lot of information there so i feel like hardcore mmo players who really want to like get the most out of the game they're gonna choose to give themselves access to all of this stuff that's going to give them a big advantage so we'll see how that plays out when it comes to when it comes to pvp i think you're gonna find um i think you're gonna find probably people using a different you know, a different UI, uh, whoever some, there's going to be some genius out there that should be working for NASA, but is, but is looking at, you know, the user <laughs> interface for Elder Scrolls online. <laughs> He's going to come up with some, he or she is going to come up with some way to like, you know, turn the UI into a far more friendly for PVP. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, anything else is concerned, I think the casuals are going to be extremely happy with, with what comes out. Um, as far as the UI goes with, with, uh, you know, the vanilla version of the UI, I know I am as a casual player, I will be, uh, very happy with that. And I think, um, it, when it comes to competitive PVP and maybe competitive PVE, I think there's going to be some, some very interesting mods out there. I think you're talking about some uh, a very small section of of maybe the gaming population for the game. That would be, uh, you know, the have or the have-nots, um, so to speak. 
And I'll say that's been my worry since when they first announced that there would be a UI modding for yeah. ESO was that you would yeah. find that situation where people are going to not even let you in their group unless you have specific mods oh, yeah. uh, activated on your account and stuff. So well, that's I just mean, been the worry, and it's at, probably going to happen. Yeah, well, but, I mean, look at look at the uh, you know the the deadly boss mods plague that uh, that <laughs> came out, and and yeah. the what was that the healbot plague that came out for for World of Warcraft. <laughs> I mean, let, well, let's don't just worry about heal bot. <laughs> there's no targeting heals in this game, so right. But well, I mean, yeah, yeah it, the onus is on Zenimax to design their access points to the interface in a way that gives people the information that they want without letting them do too much. I mean, WoW had to Blizzard had to change their API after after DBM came out to restrict that you know, some of the things that DBM was doing. Mm. And, you know, that, that wasn't the only iteration of their API that they had either. So I feel like, you know, hopefully Zoss gets it right the first time. But, yeah, I mean, you don't want, you don't want add-ons that are playing the game for you. But at the same time, it's like people want information. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over time. Okay. Anything else, gentlemen? All right. Well, then, moving right along... Uh, Zenimax promises more info regarding PVE grouping in Elder Scrolls Online. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> was that was that too much? <laughs> oh no, man! That that deserved it. Trust me, definitely. Uh, this uh, this is an article here from Joe Bradford of uh, Quest Gaming Network, who says on uh, Morndos, Morningstar the twentieth, or uh, Monday, January twentieth, for you uh, for you boring folk out there uh, via Twitter, <laughs> Zenimax released an image detailing some of the updates we can look forward to over the coming weeks. In the image pictured below, Zenimax elaborates, stating. We will see developer game session videos, fanci Q&As, creating ESO articles, and more. <laughs> now, let me see if I can get this up on the uh, the old live stream here. They weren't lying there, were they? They already did one of the gameplays. You had the Q&A tomorrow on Andrew's site, so... So there you go. Um, yeah, that's that's the sucker right there. That, uh, that bad boy. So, what did you... I mean... Um, and, and I'll read it right here. You know, over the next few weeks, we'll be showing more about Dark Anchors, Overland Bosses, and other group PvE content in ESO. You will see developer play session video, new wallpapers, creating ESO, ask us anything, developer question of the week, fan site Q&As. Watch our website and social media channels for updates and share with the friends you'll be adventuring with in ESO. I, I probably went insane. When I I saw this for for the first time on on the Twitters, I went nuts. Tweeters. Yeah, because I mean, I you... think... go ahead. Oh, I I think a lot of people did. You know what? You know what? Ninety percent of Elder Scrolls fans are waiting for right now. What dev video they really really want to see? Bring it home. They want to. What was that? Bring it home, Josh. <laughs> oh oh, here I go. Do I do I? Let me stand on my soapbox here. Okay. <laughs> The real video that the, t that the test fans want to see is a developer sit down in front of the game, just raw and unedited, and say, listen, listen, fans, today I'm just going to choose a direction and start walking. And just see that raw and unedited exploration so that 
day one when the Elder Scrolls Online releases, every test fan can go, okay, this is a game I can get on board with because this is what a test experience should be. The ability to roam free, you know? Mm. All right, soapbox done. Getting off. No, 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 no. I like that soapbox. You, you go ahead and you can stay on if you want. <laughs> let's, uh, let's. I don't know. I mean, do you agree with? Would you, would you say that's pretty accurate, or is that just me? I think I think the hardcore Elder Scrolls fan out there needs to see a video like you just described. They they want because one of the big things about Elder Scrolls Online and one excuse me one of the big things about Elder Scrolls games that you don't get in MMOs is that pick a direction, walk, and find an adventure that's not tied to a quest. Yeah, and, the uh, best chain, kind of adventure, yeah. right? The best kind of adventure, the organic one, the one you weren't expecting. That's the adventure that you go and tell your friends about, and that's the reason you cite this game as this is a game you need to play. Yeah. What do you think, Andrew? You're, you're trying to uh, get, get, uh, get a word in here. No, I think he's absolutely right. In terms of the test crowd, I think that's the video that they could do uh, that that might might help convince some people. Uh, I think in terms of the MMO crowd, end game PVE. I mean, veteran dungeons, adventure zones. There's plenty of people crying out for that too. Maybe they can make a video of him wandering through an adventure zone and dying in five seconds and Andrew. satisfy both groups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's 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 uh, let's put Andrew on the hot seat. You want to see this, Andrew? Is it there? Is it there? Is it there? Uh, you're you're way above my level right now <laughs> is what there what uh what what josh was talking about oh yeah so i mean i don't know i've played the game a couple times at the you know the trade shows and stuff but you know the the starter experience you're on an island you know how far can you roam the islands are cool i think you can definitely like wander off the beaten path find some you know, find some mud crabs that want to chew on you. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely like plenty to do, but um, I don't know. I I want to see you know what happens when you're in the center of the continent of Tamriel and you like pick a direction. You know how how far will you go before you hit a wall or before you hit you know something where there's nothing to do. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that it is an MMO though, so it's like going to be a little bit different than than that experience that you get in Skyrim. I mean, there's zones. There's sort of story arcs that you're going to be playing through and you know those zones are ordered you know there's going to be a zone for level 10 to 20 there's going to be a zone for level 21 to 30 and so you know just the nature of the game is going to be a little bit different where they have to they have to find a way to balance it where they're directing people to progress in a certain order but still letting them feel like they're doing it organically on their own they're choosing their own path and i think that's like a really difficult path to to walk where you're accomplishing both things that's right there that's the marriage between mmo mmo and elder scrolls because you have to you have to segregate your population in into their into their levels otherwise they're going to get wiped out by something 30 levels over them and it's not going to be the game's not going to be fun and let's just say, and I know there isn't any, there isn't open world PvP in the game. Um, it's in Cyrodiil, but if there were open world PvP in the game, you're going to have someone thirty levels over you, you know, ganking you every every chance they get. So you have to segregate your population here into their own little zones. But how do you do that and maintain another huge, you know, piece of the puzzle here? That's Elder Scrolls, and that's free roaming ability. How do you yeah. do that? 
I think you just nailed my number one concern for this game right now. And I, I don't think it's breaking NDA to say, yes, there's starter islands in this game. I think this is common knowledge right now. And these starter islands are limited, right? You have to complete a certain quest, a main quest, to get off of the starter island. Now, this is how it, the game is in its current state. Right. There is already a tutorial. You know, you're, you're escaping Cold Harbor as a prisoner. That's how the game starts, and it introduces you to the mechanics. My question really boils down to, why does this starter island even really have to exist? This starter island is somewhere where you could spend 30 minutes, you could spend two hours exploring on, but no matter what, you're caged. You have to complete a quest in order to leave that starter island. And no matter what your opinion is on this issue, this, this starter island issue, and that's what we're calling it, by the way, is that, <laughs> you know... Those test fans going in day one, they're going to expect to play like every other Elder Scrolls game. Escape as a prisoner. Once your bounds are broken, you're free to go wherever you want. You're free to go as you please. And the starter island in its current state just doesn't incorporate that sort of idea. It's limiting. And, and it's exactly for the reason that Andrew and Ivarwin are pointing out, which is, well, they have zones that they want you to level in that's the zone where you're supposed to level from level two to level 10 or something like that Mm -hmm. and then you get filtered into the next zone so what you have to look at this game right now at least in its current state is less like an open sandbox and more like a funnel essentially you can have as much fun as you want in the top of the funnel with all that stuff up there but eventually you get bottlenecked into a main quest And this is something that I have to say, and and you guys feel free to chime in here. But for me personally, this is just something that has to change. And I know there's already a solution out there because I've played a wonderful MMO by the name of Guild Wars 2, which had that wide open, you can explore anywhere, do anything. You can take the main quest as you please, you know, more like an Elder Scrolls game. And uh, it was just wide open to everyone. Now, I know one of the first things you guys are going to say is the fact that, oh, well, if the, if the whole wide world is open to you, you won't really feel progression that much, right? Because you won't be able to come back to that earlier starting zone and whoop up on everything, you know, you won't, you won't have that. But I think that's absolutely wrong if, if that is what your concern is, because I've played a game like Guild Wars 2, where even though you're progressing and you're gaining levels... You get to come back to those earlier zones, and sure, you're scaled down to those earlier zones because it tries to keep you even leveled with them, but you still will, but because you're a higher level, you have more abilities, you can see your progression for sure. So I just wanted to know what you guys thought about that, if that was something that is bugging you as well, or if it was just me. I It does bug me. Um... I know exactly what you're talking about, and I think a lot of Elder Scrolls fans are going to be bugged by by that. And this is the reason why um, we had brought up the idea on on last Elder Scrolls Off the Record um, that when we asked the question, is ESO for you? As an Elder Scrolls fan, is Elder Scrolls Online going to be for you? And one of the things that we said was, be aware that this game is not... A replacement for your single-player Elder Scrolls game. It's a, you've got your single-player Elder Scrolls games, and then you've got Elder Scrolls Online, which which is a fantastic Elder Scrolls game. 
but you're not going to get the carbon copy exact same feel that you get playing a single player Elder Scrolls game in Elder Scrolls Online. And this is one of the reasons why, because of this, um, and, and there was a very good analogy of the funnel, by the way. It was, it was very good. Um, I like that. Thanks. I worked hard on that one. Yeah, no, it, it, <laughs> it works. Um, I, I believe, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I do 110% agree with you. Um, I think it is something that will, will um, some Elder Scrolls fans are not going to like. I think it is something that a lot that players will love. Um, I will have to say that. Let's let's throw this down oh, over sure. to Lou down over here, Lou. That's that's the Lou area, and let's just give it to Lou. <laughs> <laughs> skip, skip to my Lou. Skip to skip yeah. to my Lou. Yeah, skip, skip, skip to my Lou. Well, you know the final concept. I, yeah, it's again, it's a great, great way to paint the picture. Um, however. You know, yeah, we are, everyone's got to remember that this, again, this is a game that's trying to make, I guess, that marriage between the single player, Elder Scrolls experience, and the MMO community, MMO world. Um, so, yeah, maybe some concessions have to be made. But then again, you know, there are ways to maybe get around that. Um, you know, if you feel like you're forced to actually quest in the zone because, you know, that's the zone you're supposed to be in because, yes, they're, they're funneling you there. Like, you know, you have to go there from 21 to 30. Mm-hmm. You know, what's to say maybe they don't have content available to to you at lower levels? Like, you know, all right, yes, it's a 21 to 30 zone, but guess what? If you make it there when you're level 11, you know, there may be a couple NPCs there that will have something for you to do. You know, because the system will tag you as, all right, you're level 11, all right, these NPCs will light out for you, or, you know, they'll have something for you if you speak to them. No, but you just got to find it. Yeah. You know, going back yeah. to the organic adventure, you know, whatever happens, you just... You know, finding out, just speaking to every, every NPC you encounter just to see what they have to say. Because you never know when you might get that quest, you know, or they might attack you or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like, uh, that is one thing that does bug me, though, seeing that PAX East, the fact that the moment I got out of where I was, I couldn't get the head off the Charter Island. Just I felt so- tied down. Just as a matter of, of a quick poll here, is, is is everyone here in favor of an Elder Scrolls Online that would be more of a sandbox uh, type of experience like you do get in, in a single-player Elder Scrolls game, or are you more in favor of, of what's in place right now? Oh, Kyle, what do you think? It's a tough question because like, <laughs> I like the systems in place now. I think the game is really well done the way it is. I think it's a great compromise between a test game and an MMO fan. So people have to just keep that in mind that, yes, this is going to be like a hybrid model of an MMO and a past test game. Mm -hmm. And just I don't think people are just they're I don't want to say thick headed, but they just do not want to waver on some of these issues with them. And And I I applaud them for that. But in the end of the day, if you want to play this game, you're going to have to make some compromises because they yeah. can't make the game for everyone to make everyone happy. They're going to do their best, but it's just it's not going to happen. And to think it will, you're just deluding yourself. Yeah, but I, I think the way it is now, I think they're doing a very good job of you know kind of playing both sides. So I, I totally, I totally see the. Sorry, Andrew, I'll, I'll pass it to you. I swear because I know you've been trying to jump in. I, <laughs> I just want to mention his compromise comment because I think that's a very good point. Yeah. No matter what, at the end of the day, you're buying the Elder Scrolls Online. You know there's compromises in that game to make it an MMO. 
every single person that's going to get pick up a copy, you need to know that right from the start or you're going to be disappointed. My thing is is that this this particular issue, at least the starter island issue and the, the funnel issue, this is a place where we don't need to compromise. And I just know this for a fact because I've played MMOs that hasn't has worked around this. Okay, sorry, Andrew. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, no, no problem. You have to take a firm hand with me because otherwise I'll be like trying to talk every three seconds, you know. <laughs> it's that megalomania you were talking about yeah, before the show. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's, it's a chronic problem. Um, so, I, you know, I agree with parts of, of what's being said. I'm really in the camp of I'm an MMO player and that's what I'm looking for. And so, you know, that's maybe a little bit of a different vantage point on the issue. And I like the funnel analogy. I see where that's coming from. But for me, I just wonder, it's like, well, what, what direction is the funnel really pointed? And, and I, I wonder if they can't have some of those sandbox elements in the part of the game that really matters. And that's like, that, that's level 50. I mean, I know it's like the journey matters, the le- you know, it, it's Elder Scrolls, it's about the story, it's whatever. But you know, okay, what if you have a progression of zones where you're, you're experiencing a story, you're experiencing a narrative that gets your, player, that, that gets your character from, from point A to point B, and maybe you're funneled a little bit during that time. Maybe, you know, maybe it is a little bit linear. It's a narrative, though, that's, that's directing you in a certain way. But what if, at the end of that narrative, what if instead of the funnel taking you from a wide point and funneling you to a narrow point what if at the end of that narrative the funnel opens out in the other direction and you're level 50 and you have the 50 plus content you have the 50 plus plus content the veteran dungeon cyrodiil you've got the adventure zones and and at that point really the entire world opens up to you and you can go anywhere and and all of the monsters are scaled to give you a challenge all the quests are scaled to give you a challenge so I mean, can there not be a tunnel while the narrative is in place, but then at the end of the tunnel you can maybe have more of those sandbox elements that, that everyone's looking for? And I'm, I'm wondering if instead of trying to put the sandbox into the game right at level one, maybe it's okay to give players something that are, that's a little more directed, that you know, is more familiar to them. It's like, you know, okay, go here, talk to this guy, and he's going to get you started. But, but maybe at the end of the tunnel they can have that wide open experience that's more reminiscent of the Elder Scrolls once everyone's level 50. So, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for is maybe, is maybe that's where they can kind of tie both those worlds together. Yeah. I think everyone here who has played an MMO will log into the Elder Scrolls and the bottle, the whole uh, funnel thing won't be an issue for us because we know that, right? We know what Endgame is. And Endgame is this wonderful thing that will be this big open, oh man, you have PvP to do, you have raiding to do. It's this big open thing and you get to do whatever the hell you want. It's really great and I want everyone to experience that. But the only issue, the only issue, uh, Andrew, that's keeping people from, I think, reaching that end of the tunnel is because you're getting so many, so many Elder Scrolls fans that have not played an MMO. And they don't know what that end game feels like. So, And I just feel a lot of those guys are going to be left behind. They're going to be the ones that don't make it past the starter island, which I think there are going to be those people. And it really, really saddens me to think that 
just because you have this whole wide world of Tamriel. You get all these provinces to explore and to know that there's going to be people that are held back because of these artificial barriers makes me well, cry. Well, what if, what, if, <laughs> what if Andrew's right? Now, everyone knows when you're going from 1 to 50 in an MMO that what you're playing is not actually really the game. Once you hit 50, then there's the game that you're actually subscribed to. What See, if I think I I think the sentence you just said there was just not true in itself, right? You said everyone knew that, right? Is that what you said? If everyone knew that, yeah. but well, everyone doesn't know that, right? What I, that's what I said that's was, the issue. Yeah, what I said was everyone knows, as in MMO players, people who play MMOs know that when you go from one to fifty, you know that's really not the game. That once you hit fifty, and I'm talking about in in general MMOs, you know, once you hit the end level in an MMO, that's really the game that you're subscribed to, not necessarily the leveling experience. What if Andrew's right? What if once you hit 50, the the game is open, free roaming, and I could see how it would be considering the trickles of information that we've received such as adventure zones and level 50 plus and plus plus and uh, going to a completely different faction territory and going through a completely different um, uh, storyline through that faction. than then the, the guys who are leveling up are going through and then doing it all over again in the, in the third faction and, and going through that. What if Andrew's right? If that's the case, I think that's something that, that elder scrolls players need to know about immediately and i think one of the best ways that zoss would be able to inform them of hey guess what you know remember that single player elder scrolls experience that that you had that you loved so much uh we've got it here at the very end game here at level 50 and it's going to be pretty much what what you were what you were considering what you were thinking i think one of the best ways of showing that is by having the open beta and being able to um beta test in an open beta level 50 content without necessarily having to go through one two fifty in order to get to i think by starting up your character and getting straight to level 50 um that might be a good way of of, of displaying that or maybe just outright saying it in in a marketing blitz yeah, yeah they need to change I, their tagline to uh your adventure begins at 50 see i think the moment you do that uh, what are you admitting the rest of your game is a grind Whenever oh, no, 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 no. the beginning is just the the starter island it isn't just those two islands that you begin on. It's one through 50 is your starter. island. I've I'll tell you what, and, and what this issue boils down to is games that hold your hand to me have always been some of the most boring games. And I felt like that's exactly what that starter island was holding my hand far far longer than i ever needed what it is but like you were saying though this a lot of these people are going to be people who haven't played mmos before so maybe they need that extra hand holding going on in those starting areas fair point very fair point yeah i see what you're saying i see what you're saying but then if that's true i i definitely would love to see then that starter island because i do think it could be utilized well with what you just said I think the tutorial, as in its current state, ends after you escape Cold Harbor. They give you a weapon, you use a spell, they show you the talent tree, all that. That is, that's the tutorial. The Starter Island right now doesn't really offer any new information to the player. 
I think, yes, maybe maybe if you had to get in a group or something and there was this group event you were doing with other players that introduces Elder Scrolls gamers to this concept, wait a second, MMOs are awesome because I'm not just going at it alone. I'm playing it with other people and stuff. So maybe if the starter island was geared more towards like that, that, like that I'd be more on board for with it for sure i just think maybe we're looking at it the wrong way instead of looking at it as like a starter island think of it as like a a, uh, a prelude to a book so you have this whole story out in front of you but you have to get through the prelude to get to the actual meat of the story so those would be your starter islands you're learning the backstory of what's going on and you're learning who am i fighting and why am i doing all this and that's what the starting islands for that whole setting up the whole stage and everything and then after the starting islands, the book begins and then doesn't yeah. even end, though. It never ends. It keeps going. Yeah. Well, again, 50. this is this is why, again, we were saying that um, Elder Scrolls Online is a fantastic Elder Scrolls game. But if you come into it feeling like you're going to have that a carbon copy of of that single player Elder Scrolls experience, um, you you may not necessarily be completely thrilled with your experience and you need to sort of you know, conceptualize it a, a little bit differently. Think of it a little bit differently that, you know, it's going to feel a little alien. But then again, what what Elder Scrolls game doesn't feel a little alien when you play it for the first time as compared to the one that you were playing before? So, you know, I mean, uh, and Andrew had said very early in the show, uh, just because... Just because there's something in an Elder Scrolls game that wasn't in any of the previous ones before doesn't make it less Elder Scrolls. What really matters is does these systems chosen for the game honestly work for the game? And, uh, you know, is your overall experience going to be good? And I, I think keeping an open mind when walking into uh, Elder Scrolls Online as an Elder Scrolls fan will only service you. Yeah, yeah. And that's my dream is what exactly what you just said there and that everyone would totally understand that and they would look at it like Kyle was saying, like a prologue or whatever, and they'd go through it just feeding off of the story and stuff. But the reality is that's just not happening. There's those Elder Scrolls gamers that are going to pick up that game and they're going to want that feeling, you know, Elder Scrolls games, what are they if not a proven formula? And part of that formula is the freedom factor. And right now with the starter islands and this, this funnel concept, it's just not achieved. And if we had the choice to fix it, if, if we had the, the ability to fix it before this game to launch, mm -hmm. which I know it's possible, that's what's really killing me right. is that I know it's possible. And I, I'll, I'll just keep preaching it until... Hopefully something will change. But, I like, I like and, how we got Josh, uh, you know, uh, on one side, Kyle's on the other. Yeah, you know. We should just and move you know on. Yeah. We'll Am I going to have to separate you two? Yeah. We're calling mom. And, mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what it boils down to. is because, And this is why I love doing this with you guys, with Andrew and Kyle, you guys in particular too, is because we're getting such different points of view and different aspects. And you're seeing us as individual gamers through our opinions right now. Kyle, you have told me, what do you like to do when you sit down with an MMO? You're a systematic gamer. You pick up this quest, that quest, and this quest, and then you go do those. You like it to be scripted, and that's what you do. I love my chains. I like those rails, man. I love you, them. And, and you love them, right? And then what are you getting on my side of the spectrum? Okay, you hate you're them. Getting, I hate I actively 
actively despise Rails. I really do. Like, unless I'm playing a single a single player experience where I know this whole game's on, on Rails, like a Bioshock Infinite, which I love that game. No, this is an Elder Scrolls. This this has the potential to be so much more that, that open world, off the rails experience. And that's what I want. So that's exactly what everyone's seeing right here are just different gamers and their opinions. Agreed. All right, guys, let's uh, let's move along. We still have a lot more show to cover, um, yep. even though this might turn into a, a grudge match between the two the two <laughs> brothers. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> All right, guys. Going on for years. Elder Scrolls Online gamers and M-plus ratings. Uh, Garner's an M-plus rating from the ESRB. So on MidDOS, the 22nd of Morningstar, or Wednesday, if uh, you're boring, uh, <laughs> Beth blog. Is it funny the third time, or should I just stop that? <laughs> I don't know. The funny thing is that I'm still laughing. So that's <laughs> I feel like bro pound, Josh. Bow. <laughs> so on Wednesday, January 22nd, Beth blog and TES online and Pete Hines announced the decision from the ESRB uh, from Pete Hines at DC Deacon on Twitter stated ESO has been rated M by the ESRB. Not the T we expected. More right here. And they, they tweeted out this photo, which is basically uh, their Bethesda's um, response to this. And Bethesda says, and I quote, The ESRB advised us that it has given the Elder Scrolls Online a mature rating. While we may disagree with the ESRB's determination, we do not plan to challenge the rating. And we are unwilling to change the game's content to achieve a different rating. The game we have created is the one we want our fans to be able to play. As a result of the ESRB rating, we are in the process of promptly updating everything with the required rating and age gates, including game trailers, websites, and ads. Thanks for your understanding. We can't wait to welcome players into the Elder Scrolls Online soon. End quote. Same message was posted on uh, the Elder Scrolls Online Facebook page. And what are our thoughts and comments from the panel here? Let's let's go let's go directly to Andrew on this because we all know that um, Elder Scrolls single player Elder Scrolls games rated M, rated T. Um, But why specifically do you think Bethesda was was aiming for a T rating? For Elder Scrolls Online, Andrew. Well, I think that there's a perception that your market base is going to be bigger if you can hit that T rating. Whether or not that's true, I think, is highly debatable. And the fact that it's highly debatable is probably why they don't seem to be too perturbed about it. And let me just say, I applaud Zoss for showing a bit of backbone and saying, like, okay, ESRB, you win this round. We don't care. You know, well done, well done to you, Zenimax, for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it is a verifiable fact that PG-13 movies will tend to gross more than R-rated movies. And that's just because of the way that the movie theater system works. You show up, you buy your ticket, you get carded. There's ways to check the age of people as they're buying video games. I mean, if you go to buy a physical copy in the store, you might get carded. Uh, But otherwise, you know, if you're buying digitally, it's just, you know, do you have access to a credit card or not? I I really don't think the M rating 
is is as much of a negative for revenues in the in the gaming sector as it is for something like movies. I mean, look at Grand Theft Auto Five, uh, enormously grossing game with an M rating. Skyrim, how many copies did Skyrim sell? A mm. Boatload. ESO would be enormously successful if it's if it sold you know half the copies that Skyrim did. So. Uh, you know, I don't know. I I don't think it's a huge deal, and you know, there we ju- we just had an article on Tamriel Foundry this week. Uh, one of our moderators, Isari, I think, wrote a great opinion piece, not only about you know maybe some of the implications of that rating, but like also pointing out the fact that it gives Zenimax an opportunity for the future because you know they were targeting a teen. You know, they were trying to design their content to be, you know, not at the most mature end of the spectrum. And they didn't get that. They didn't get that. But what that means is that now they can think about adding some stuff into the game that, um, you know, that maybe they, they didn't have the freedom to add before. And, Severed heads. Uh, yeah, and that doesn't mean, you know, don't expect the game to change between now and release to incorporate a bunch of gore. Like, that's not going to happen. There's no time. And I don't even think that they would they would try to do that. They seem comfortable with the game that they're producing. But I think one of the most telling points of Isari's article was how he mentioned that, you know, thank God that they have decided to hold back content like the Thieves Guild and the Dark Brotherhood as post-launch content, because that's some of the stuff that can possibly benefit the most from the lack of constraint to try to to get under a a teen rating. So, uh, I mean, I think it's... I don't think it's a big loss, and I think, if anything, it's an open door for them to try to tastefully and selectively include some more adult themes in the game. So I'm all for it. Do I'm you, excited. Do you think it helps, hinders, or has a negligible effect one way or the other on on Elder Scrolls Online, Andrew? On the sales? Well, I wouldn't say it helps, but I don't. I would say negligible. I mean, I'm I'm not an expert, but I just I don't see it making a big difference, to be honest. I don't either. What um What do you What do you think, Kyle? Um. Well, for the whole affecting sales, keep in mind this is a, a game you have to subscribe to anyways, which means you need to have a credit card on file. Right. So that already means you're going to have an adult there present, putting the money forward for that subscription. So. I mean, there's not going to be much to change there in that regard. Pretty much, you, you've already you've already gotten parental parental guidance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, like, what do ratings really mean on MMOs, anyways? I mean, they always have to have that little disclaimer there saying that you know, once you start interacting with people online, uh, the rating doesn't really mean anything because you know, yeah. look at Baron's chat. All of a sudden, you got pornographic uh, messages going back and forth, and that rating means nothing anymore. Yeah. Lou, um, let's let's kick it over to you. We haven't heard from you in in some time. Um, well, I mean, regarding regarding the rating, I mean, generally speaking, what are what are some of your thoughts? And then, and then, do you think it's going to either help hinder or basically just have like a ne- negligible effect? Well, first of all, I'm just going to say that I think the rating, uh, maybe not justified, but you know what? I'm glad they're not backing down from their decision to move forward. Yeah. All right. Um, I, part of me suspects that. They were hoping for the you know hoping for the best, but they were prepared to receive this rating from the ESRB. You know, know how fickle you know that board can be at times. Uh, I think this rating is just going to be negligible. You know, as I was just pointed out, 
it's not going to stop anyone from getting the game if they don't want it because, you know, even if it's a teenager, young adult, what have you, someone has to put the money through somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's through, you know, debit card, credit card, what have you. Right. All right. So already parental or guardian consent is already there. So that's out the window. All right. That's not going to stop, you know, the so-called little kids from getting in there because they'll find a way to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, plus I find that lots of times, you know, parents, guardians don't really read the ratings. I mean, I'll use my own real life example. My sister really slacks off when she buys games for my nephew. He's only 14 years old. All right. And he's played games right in front of her for the first time. She never realized, oh, my God, what is this? What is he playing? Like, you didn't read the damn rating in the box? <laughs> yeah, people really – People really regard games as still a toy, which I, I'm actually offended by, by the way. But what you need to start mm-hmm. looking at it as is really just a another form of entertainment, just like just like film is. Right. It, it, it's the fact that it's a video game. It gets that negative connotation as a kids kids only thing. Right. All right. And the fact that now that ESO does have the M rating, again, as mentioned before, you know, it now allows the content team to think of, you know what? Before our hands were kind of tied behind our backs, now we actually have some freedom to actually bring in some of the darker, grittier aspects of the elements of Nern. I mean, think about it. Dark Brother, what are you? You're an assassin, for Pete's sake. You're killing people, you know, because you love it and you want the money. Thieves Guild, you know, you're there because you love the thrill. You love stealing what doesn't belong to you. Okay, you know, if you're outstanding moral person, you know, that violates every ethic in your body. Hmm. You know, so think about it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're in this world that, you know, has these elements, okay? What are you doing? You're a soulless being journeying throughout the world. You're actually going out there killing people from two other factions. Think, right? You're fighting over a throne. Think of, uh, think of the amount of damage uh, the, the naked Nord can now do in an M-rated game. Yeah, he can actually <laughs> go naked. <laughs> <laughs> What do you what do you think, Kyle? Help, hinder, or negligible effect on the game? Uh, the game as a whole, I think it's nothing yeah. but. Well, the sales really is really. Uh, well, I already answered that, but did you? As yeah, but as for I'm like the game it. itself, that is just an open door for the developers to create the game they really wanted to create. And Josh can probably chime in on this though, because he has a nice little theory about. You know, the the mother company really making, you know, pulling that they wanted that teen rating, whereas maybe ZeniMax online really didn't want that teen rating. They wanted that M rating. So maybe you can elaborate more on that. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's no secret that uh, automatically we, we knew that ZeniMax online was shooting for that teen rating. And when, whenever a game developer is shooting for a rating or they're trying to achieve a certain rating, that's not the developer imposing that on themselves. Individual developers want what anyone want in their jobs. They want creative freedom to do what they please and to make what they want the best they can. Really what it was was the corporate suits probably at ZeniMax Media Inc. who wanted that teen rating for obvious reasons, you know, to appeal to that because they think anyway that it will sell more copies of their game, which at the end of the, the day is what they're exactly what they're trying to do. But I'm sorry, I'm I'm still really hung up on the fact that there's parents out there that still think games are this child's plaything or or whatever. <laughs> they you know each and every how about this before any any parent gets their child to play an M-rated game, they have to sit down 
and play The Witcher 2. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That should be the game. The Game of Thrones of video games should be the game uh. that they all have to play and then and then let their kids play. But yeah, absolutely. I think what it is right now, this M rating and what it's what it's providing us is good news. Nothing but good news because what it's doing is allowing Zenimax online studios, the actual devs, the creators, the people crafting the things that you love, it gives them absolute freedom now to do what they want. You know, there's this great quote from Todd Howard, which I can't remember right now, but I'll paraphrase it for Anyone who doesn't know, Todd Howard is the genius behind all the uh, Elder Scrolls games you really, really love, particularly being the holy trinity of, of Elder Scrolls games. Morrowind, Oblivion, and uh, Skyrim. He was the lead on all those games. And what his philosophy when it came to the, the ESRB and their ratings, he said, let those guys do what they're going to do. Let them slap whatever rating they want to on our game. We're just going to do what we like to do, and that's make good games. And we'll leave the rest, you know, in the, in the hands of the people. So that, that really, I think, is what we're going to get now from ZeniMax Online. And I, I wish it was something that we would have got from the start, but I'm just happy to have it now. You know, especially, I don't know who pointed it out. I think it was Andrew, the Thieves Guild and the Dark Brotherhood. I think it's going to be excellent for that because I'd much rather have an M-rated yeah. Dark Brotherhood than the washed out T-rated. Version. You're you're looking at some very very dark content when it comes to the Thieves Guild and especially the Dark Brotherhood. I mean, for God's sake, you have to you have to perform a black ritual in order to to summon the Dark Brotherhood in the first place, uh, which involves a like a human heart and and uh, stabbing the ground. I mean, we all remember that kid with Aventus. <laughs> Sweet mother, sweet mother, send your child onto me, for the sins of the unworthy must be baptized in blood and fear. Like, that's dark stuff, man. That's really dark. You can't have that in a T-rated Kyle, how, Kyle, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> My doors are firmly locked, I can tell you that. You have a deadbolt on that thing? And one of those chain things. You know, I've never, I've never been into tattoos or anything like that. But yeah. I really contemplated about getting the black hand, like, right on my chest or something, or on the arm, you know? That's not at all concerning. <laughs> I love that. Always been a big fan of the Dark Brother. I mean, no, I mean, Josh, you did a fantastic job, you know, illustrating the simple fact that, yes, this is very dark content, getting into Dark Brotherhood. And, and I, I honestly think that nail on the head when you're saying that a teen rating could wash that out i mean you've got to hit the nail on the head with this uh you know with this content coming out and and a teen rating could could water it down and for those of us who know what what it was like in skyrim and um oblivion and marwin you don't want to see that happen (laughs) i had this this kind of funny thought um the only thing that i could really see that might be a bit of an issue and this is just coming from like a, a business-minded sort of uh, perspective on on the game, and that is this: you spent a lot of money creating uh, ads and finding out where your demographic is, where your markets are, where they exist. I would imagine if they were looking for a teen rating, it's because they were saying, "Okay, we want to capture this demographic between the ages of." 12 and 45 42 it's probably like probably like between 
14 and 14 and 40, I would say, with most being male, is the, the main demographic they thought that their game would appeal to. So you have to piece together marketing, TV, print media, um, all that stuff, uh, how it's gonna, how the marketing is gonna come across online with that those ages and demographics in mind. That's a tremendous amount of money. And if they spent their money incorrectly on advertising, trying to capture all of that, you're, you're talking to the youngest piece of the demographic and the oldest piece of the demographic all at the same time. And if your game is not even um, reachable to, to the youngest piece, you've wasted your money trying to mix up your marketing message to reach all of that at the same time. You could have just maybe spent that money and put it in better areas that older people would definitely be going for or you could spend less money in the same areas and as a as a marketing and maybe a business perspective i would find that extremely irritating that finally you come out with your game and the esrb rates it and like ah, yeah no this is nah, mature and they're like great well you know we got to plan this stuff a year in advance and now we we wasted money in advertising and marketing, and that could have really bad ramifications on your game when it launches. Maybe. I mean, how many kids picked up GTA Five? I think a lot. <laughs> through through, through one through one means or another, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying, though. I think. I mean, it's obviously it's obviously shaken up their plans a bit, but yeah, exactly. I don't know. How how do you how do you even redesign your marketing to to be in that 20 year old bracket instead of i mean i don't know you're you're trying to advertise that you have a good game and i mean that's kind of universal so hopefully they hopefully they wouldn't have done too much differently although i agree that they might have they might have well, done let's, some things well let's put it this way just and just um just as a as as an example um in the PlayStation 4 ad you see at the very beginning of the PlayStation 4 ad, um, you see two guys who are who are dressed up like the the alliance leaders for Daggerfall Covenant and for Ebonheart Pact, duking it out in a very tongue-in-cheek sort of manner. I I what are the ages of these guys? You know, they're young twenties. Right. Very young twenties. Now, is that that's kind of like an MTV approach to it? That's going to grab young teens, people in their 20s, and very early 30s, which I would argue is is really pretty much where your game is going to be anyway. So so you're right on that. But, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum here, you know, your oldest population, they may not necessarily identify with with the game as, as readily in that. So, and that's, I'm sure they spent a lot of money on that. And, and well, it, it, you know, it's, it's, a, go ahead, Lou, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. I'll finish. I'll, I'll come in. No, I mean, it's a very weak example, but I mean, just as as an example, I'm not saying you're wrong, Andrew, at all by any means. I'm just saying, like, that might be an example. Go, go ahead, Lou. Yeah. I guess it all depends on how they how they break down the marketing plan because, you know, you could break out your market into different target zones. You know, yeah. for example, 18, you know, males, females, or just people, 18 to 24, 25 to 49. Or eighteen to forty-nine, and you have to build your ad campaign based upon those particular demographics. You know, you're going to have certain, you know, video ads, print ads, perhaps radio ads, TV ads, tailored to each particular demographic to attract that. You know, you're not going to have just one commercial. All right, you're going to have several. 
maybe a 15 second clip, 30 second clip, 45 second, mm-hmm. you know, different types of print ads to appeal to different types of, you know, again, to appeal to every demographic they're trying to reach. Yeah. You know, you're you sure there's going to be one that's going to try to appeal to female gamers, you know, one for male gamers, you know, uh, to younger gamers, middle aged gamers, and heck. You know, you and I have played in guilds where there are people in our guild that were 60-plus years old. Yeah, that's you know, true. They're playing games. Yeah. So there's that market as well that they have to appeal to. So you can't just try and market your campaign with just one one style. You know, you've got to be able – you have to be flexible. And I think because they're a business, at the end of the day, they have to make their money. You know, they're going to have to tailor their approach, to, you know, to those different groups and hope it works. <laughs> well said. Um, all right, let's move on to our our final discussion point for the evening, and then we'll get into uh, our misconceptions, which I think everyone here is ready to roll their uh, their sleeves up over. Uh, and that is the ESO voice cast has been revealed. And uh, this article comes from Shank from, from QGN, and he says, uh, On Thursday, January 23rd, Zenimax has revealed the voice cast for the Elder Scrolls Online on their site, ElderScrollsOnline.com. The cast features the talents of many acclaimed actors, including John Cleese as Sir Codwell, the cheerful and endearingly mad lost soul who is not afraid of anyone, even a Daedric Prince, Bill Nighy as King Emmerich, merchant prince whose luck and determination won him the throne, Kate Beckinsale as Queen A. Wren, Alfred Molina. Let's just let that one sink for a second. Kate Beckinsale as Queen Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Alfred Molina as Abner Tharn, a wily old wizard and politician who is the head of the Empire's Elder Council and the de facto power behind the Ruby Throne. Linda Carter as Azura. Let that one sink in. It's Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now she did the nord voices in oblivion apparently which i didn't know until i looked it up because of this article she was the nord females in oblivion so let that sink in let that let that <laughs> yes drip in let that i'm those sorry dribbly i'm still thinking bits. about the leather clad uh oh, werewolf gosh. hunter as i called her <laughs> <laughs> Michael Gambon as the prophet, a mysterious blind man who guides the player through their journey to retrieve their soul. M- Malcolm McDowell as Molag Ball, the primary antagonist and the baller in chief. <laughs> <laughs> Cast also includes Peter Stormare plays uh, Jorun, the Skold King, despite whatever pronunciation Jorun. of that name you may have heard. <laughs> Jim Ward as Manamarco, Jennifer Hale as Lyris Titanborn, a Nord half-giant who, along with the Prophet, aids the player on their journey, and Kevin Michael Richardson as Sai Sahan, a noble martial artist and master swordsman. He's got that deep voice. (laughs) (laughs) As you can probably tell, this is a pretty amazing list of actors who will be bringing their voices and talents to Tamriel. Elder Scrolls Online hits PC and Mac on April 4th and Xbox One and PlayStation 4 in June. So, fellas. Yeah. What, uh, I know, I know Lou wants to just go crazy over the fact that his, his favorite, Jennifer Hale, is, is on this list. Come on, Basil Shan. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> yeah. Basil Shan and, uh, what do we always say? Skyrim Kira? 
<laughs> she played Kira in um No, that's uh Laura Bailey is uh it's Kira and Tor and uh Serana with the Dongard uh DLC. Yeah. yeah. So she was she was Serana as well in um in Skyrim. So there there it is. Uh who does anyone here have like a favorite? Were you excited when you saw this? Uh, uh excitement? Bill Nighy for me. Yeah, Kyle? Yeah. I've always Bill liked Nighy. him. I mean, he's kind of like an overactor, but I love it because he does it so well. <laughs> like just the underworld <laughs> movies alone. Like so much overacting, but I love it cuz he does it the best. Bill Nighy's great. I think Malcolm I think Malcolm McDowell is a great choice as well cuz he's got just such a like this like deep just evil sounding voice anyways. I, I mean <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's a voice that you don't find on on everyone. I think. I mean, Mo- Molag Ball, just that huge, brooding, brutal, brutish like presence, <laughs> that evil, sinister, devil, <laughs> Satan like presence, just monstrous, looming over your head. And what comes out of his mouth is the dude from A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and and maybe if you saw, you know, Star Trek uh, Generations, you know, <laughs> we don't talk about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Never existed. Just uh, you, you would expect like this, this dark, sinister, just violent voice coming out. And what do you get? You get, you get thoughtful, <laughs> sinister. And I think it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful marriage of imagery and and voice i mean uh just malcolm mcdowell is fantastic and i was so excited when i when i saw that that he'd be playing him yeah yeah the list the list is very impressive and i have to say i love i love that queen arene is played by a real life hottie and everything and yeah it's definitely excellent talent lined up there you you can hear the hotness in her voice you can you can hear it (laughs) oh gosh just just, listen if you're not playing if you're not playing Dominion by now, come on. <laughs> you're gay at this point, right? I'm just, oh just going to throw that out there. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I got gay friends. <laughs> just admit it. Just admit it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But seriously. Josh, though. what's your email for hate mail? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to throw in that I have gay friends, which isn't a lie, by the way, okay? Uh, we're, we're, all, we're all open-minded here. Just I'm saying. I think you're making now, it worse now. If this doesn't push you over, come on. Right. Okay. So, anyway, there was a there was a comment that I wanted to bring up. That excellent comment we got on Twitter from a fan, mm-hmm. which was, "Yes, it's a very impressive list, but where could have that money? Where could that money have been spent elsewhere?" Right. Let's... I'll just bring up the fact. I don't want to name any names. I don't want to. I don't want to break any NDA or anything. But I I have a, an acquaintance who has played the Elder Scrolls online beta and has heard these voice actors in the game doing their thing. Now, this friend of mine loves these actors, but had no idea, had no idea these people were voicing these characters. Went right over right over his head. Now, it, is it really that important then? It just made me beg the question, yeah, is it that important that we have famous people doing the voiceover work when we could have other people do it just as well? Well, uh, I and mean, that money could be spent elsewhere. Josh, that's that's a fantastic, fantastic point. But I want to hit on that when we get into some of our our misconceptions down below, because Forbes, as you know, had said what they said, and there there's a number out there for the cost of of production in the game, and I, I sort of want to I want to touch on that, but maybe um, in a, in a minute or so. 
Okay, yeah, sure. That's great. And I'd love yeah. to hear you guys' uh, opinion on that, too, when that time comes. All right. Because uh, I thought it was, a, it was a very good question that they asked. Anyone else have, have anything they want to add on, on maybe some of this, this uh, star-studded cast here for The Elder Scrolls Online? Well, yeah, you know I'll have something to say. Yeah, well, go ahead, Josh. Uh, Josh, Andrew, I'm sorry. Kyle, did you you want to go? Do you want to take this one first? Uh, it was like very thirteen to... year old. I don't know if I should say it. Oh, oh well, gosh. then now that you've said that, you have to. Oh, okay. I was just <laughs> thinking maybe they should maybe yeah. they should change the outfit of a uh, Queen Aaron. I think uh, maybe a little uh, little underworld action going on. Just saying, <laughs> a, little, a little leather. A little more, like, uh, maybe Van Helsing too. I would be, I would be down yeah, for Van Helsing. I don't really too. think I got her right over here. I don't really think you can get any more leather on that girl unless you cover up some parts that you definitely need ha- to have here. See, this is why we need a female on the cast because oh god, yeah, saying crap like this. Oh, you know? we're horrible. No, it won't. That's nah, all right. That's too. It <laughs> would just be directed toward them, if anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, incidentally, right. though, this, we're going to get a ton of hate mail from from now two groups. So that's all right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Just... <laughs> Go ahead, Andrew, please. All right. I have, t- I have two things. Mm-hmm. And one of them is related to, to, what, um, to what was mentioned about the, the cost of, like, you know, getting the, this cast. And, and that first one is I think, I think some of these choices are really great because some of these voices, you're paying for something that's so iconic that, like, you don't, you don't get that voice from anyone else. It's like someone who really brings something to the table that brings a whole new experience to the game. And, and some of these characters, when you hear them, first start talking like I'm usually a dialogue skipper in games like I am that's like one of my faults I'm in a hurry usually uh but you know some of these characters when they start talking you're just going to stop to listen even if normally you wouldn't and that's you know that's what you pay for that's like money really well spent I think and some of these guys like John Cleese I think Bill Nye uh, Michael Gambon uh, Malcolm McDowell these are guys that you'll hear them and you will you know, it's it's something special. Like these guys are really, really talented voice actors. Jennifer Hale, I think, is a really talented actress who, you know, brings something special that you like don't you don't get with with anyone else. Yeah. I I do wonder a little bit about some of the selections. Like, are you really getting are you really getting a voice that is so unique and so see. memorable that it's not it's not something you could have gotten on on a budget? I don't know. I mean. I haven't heard I haven't heard all these characters in game yet, but you know if you if you asked me ahead of time to like try to visual or you know imagine in my head what Kate Beckinsale's voice sounds like, I I think I would have drawn a blank. Like I, I don't I would have you know just pictured sort of a, a feminine British attractive sounding voice, but like you know I, I wouldn't have said oh you know there's this quote of hers that just like sticks with you and and it you know it, it really it was memorable so. I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see. They but I do think Kate. Well, who knows? They should have picked uh, Kate Blanchett. Is who <laughs> they should have picked because she has that you know that deeper. Yeah, she does voice. have that like it's really like, sort mm. of ghostly like yeah. Th- there's like <laughs> a, a certain yeah like a, a characteristic of it that is just so so unique. My other concern is that you know yeah these are like some really big names. And probably my bigger concern than like how much did they spend the first go round on this voice acting is is the fact that they have now voiced certain iconic characters within the Elder Scrolls Online lore with big name actors 
going to make it difficult for them to continue certain plot lines in the future. What, you know, what if they want to have an adventure zone where you're doing something and all of a sudden Queen Irene shows up and she's got like some, some role in the storyline, you know, they can't have Kate Beckinsale dropping into their studio every five weeks to voice another line of dialogue. Mm. You know, that, that's not something that's going to be feasible. So I wonder if by locking some of these characters into really, you know, A-list actress, actors and actresses, are they going to have a problem with downstream content development where, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you'll hear from Queen Irene later on down the road, but maybe she'll send you a note instead of showing up in person and that would yeah. be disappointing i the, think the real the real problem on that is is not you know a year or two years from now it's it's really like six years from now when we've already had two or three um uh expansions coming to the game and everyone's saying god you remember when vanilla elder scrolls online was out and you know that that whole uh queen a ren thing like you know don't i really wish you'd like you know we'd pick some of that back up and maybe see the queen again and that's when that's going to become an issue, and now all of a sudden we're we're probably going to have a different voice actress uh, play play Queen A. Wren, and that's that's a bit. A you're going to see breaking. you're going to see wanted advertisements in the London papers, you know, looking for female with Kate Beckinsale impersonation. Yeah, in the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, if there's nothing else, gentlemen, uh, then I, I'm I suppose we should be moving along to misconception time. That's right from the uh, from the seedy underbelly of Tamriel, uh, that that corner you were afraid to lurk in, that stone you kicked and and found a, a stink bug. Uh, here comes <laughs> the uh, the carambolette of of discussion points. <laughs> Your segues are the best. They're the worst. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, they're so entertaining. They're I wish I could bring that to our show. They're entertaining because they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment's entertainment, man. But yeah, they're pretty stupid. But it's great. It's great. <laughs> Misconception it. time. Oh boy. Sometimes things are said that the internet misunderstood, and we're gonna clear some of that up for you right here, right now, and here we go. Number one. Forbes. Well, they said Elder Scrolls Online will be a financial disaster, so it must be true on the internet it's true it's true uh the forbes article links to a satirical article made by matt fire debunking the rumored 200 million dollar budget people may take this article seriously and not for its humor so uh 200 million dollar budget right elder scrolls online i mean was this I sort of I sort of saw this on Twitter and and we talked about it on on Elder Scrolls off the record but I'm not I'm not 100% sure. I mean, was there I didn't see any additional information at all. I mean, was this actually true? I mean, did they spend 200 million dollars on making the game? Does anyone really know that? No. According to Matt Fire or no. Okay. Like so, he made that uh, satirical article to like kind of give a humor, like making it look like they were idiots if they would have spent that much money. Wait, wait, he wait. was debunking it, saying like they didn't pay, uh, spend that much money. But yeah, no, I was confused. Did Fire actually was that actually like from him? I I felt Apparently. I thought that, that was like made up. I thought that was like a totally See, made up, like too. falsified I, thing. 
Yeah, I thought it was like an Onion News article would do. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't feel... I, I didn't think that was actually like a Firearm interview. I thought that was like something that was entirely made up. So, I mean, there's... there's we, we've got misconception here. We've got misconceptions within <laughs> our misconceptions. So, like, we, we, we have to go deeper on this one, I guess, but... Let's ask I, Gina and Jess. How much money did you all spend on this game? Yeah, I person. They'll they'll definitely not tell us that. There's oh. no way. Just <laughs> okay. It was a satire try. site, like the Onion. Yeah. yeah <laughs> see here, see here, here we have. It was a satire site. Yeah. That see that was not even a fire quote. So. So who knows? Let's uh, let's get it who up knows? here on the old on the yeah. old live stream because uh, I, I got the article here. It's it's in our notes. So Zenimax debunks Elder Scrolls Online two hundred million dollar budget rumor. We couldn't have wasted that much money. Well, uh, she. She didn't, you know, it's not, it's not saying for sure what the budget is or isn't, but, you know, I mean, 200 million, it's a lot of money, but it's actually probably a reasonable budget for a game of this scope. Right. Especially when you consider that, sorry, but just Mm -hmm. especially when you consider that they are setting up an entirely new gaming studio to, to do the development here. I mean, ZeniMax Online is a new branch. You know, they, they had to get new offices, build up the sort of infrastructure, build up their... Uh, you know, go through hiring, bringing in a lot of people. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of sort of fixed cost associated with getting the studio up and running and, and, you know, in addition to the development of the game itself. So this is what sort of aggravates the crap out of me when it regards the the Forbes article and them saying, uh, you know, two hundred million dollars. And What the hell do you, business do you have? <laughs> Going out there and saying something like that, I mean, do you, do you honestly think like there are people looking to invest in ZeniMax Online Studios? Because you can't. They're owned by a parent company, and that parent company is comp- is involved in a lot of other things. And not to say that Elder Scrolls Online is a blip on the radar and not a major project for the parent company as a whole. It certainly isn't going to to um. <laughs> make the stock price uh, rise and fall dramatically for the, the, the major parent company. And I don't even know if, if, if uh, Forbes, which is, you know, I think one of their main, their main market is, is the United States. I don't even, I don't even know if Americans can invest in, in uh, ZeniMax media's uh, stock, because I think they're held internationally. I think they're a French company. Right. They're private. You you can buy stocks, but all the stocks are private stocks. It's not publicly traded. That's been one of the benefits of their studios. Okay. So then, Forbes, why the hell are you even weighing in on this? <laughs> why? I mean, let's let's keep in mind that this isn't even like a a, syn- a syndicated like Forbes editor. This was like a a guest columnist who wrote this for the Forbes website and I guess it like got approved. And so I think people have been lending it maybe more credibility than it might otherwise deserve just because of the, the Forbes name. But yeah. I don't think this was like one of their, I, I think the relationship's kind of tenuous at best. Right. So the, the source of where it comes from and the reason why uh, it, was, it was published is, is all extremely highly speculative and, and really honestly kind of wasteful in, in, the, in the market that, that publication is circulated in anyway so who cares let's blame zoss for not releasing any information that week which made that forbes article <laughs> way on the top of the search yeah, list. It, 
So, yeah. so good job, Zoss. There's there's that. <laughs> and then there's also the fact that even, let's just say it even was true, $200 million to produce the game. I mean, d- does anyone here really know exactly how much money it takes to produce your your normal MMO? And and if so, uh, that's it's going to be a triple A loan from a bank. Um, how long? What are the terms on this loan? And what kind of interest rate is on that loan? How long does Zenimax Online Studios have to pay this loan? And what's factored into those production costs? Is it just all the stuff that you need to do in order to make a game? Or is it certain things like, gee, how much is there? How much, how much is our salaries? Is salaries factored into that $200 million? And are there, their health benefits factored into the $200 million? And, you know, um, yeah. Matt fire broke a computer. So you got to add that on there too. And, you know, like little, little, little things like this. And that'd be awesome. That was his thing. Whenever he got mad at a developer for not doing the right thing, he'd smash their computer. Kind of like smashing a guitar, you know, <laughs> or he, or he nailed it. This is amazing. Bam. Just, Damn, I didn't save my work. <laughs> it's so, not. I mean, it's not even clear that it's the 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 budget for ESO is leveraged on on debt, like a loan from a bank, either. I mean, it could be based on the equity of of Zenimax Media, for all we know. So, I mean, mm-hmm. so, Skyrim it, made a lot of money, right? Yeah, Skyrim, <laughs> Skyrim made a lot of money. And I mean, even if it was a two hundred million dollar budget, even if it is, I mean that it, that's a, a number that strikes me as in the ballpark for reasonable for a triple a mmo in in uh, which has been in development for what six yeah. seven years now there you go and, i mean Salary, what do you benefits oh man that with a adds up. you know with a 50 60 dollar box copy i mean you're only talking about like three and a half million in sales to break even yeah and i mean with the with the console release as well i mean i i think that there's they're they're poised to at least recoup their development costs if they even were that high easily. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think it's a lot of, a lot of smoke that's being blown. And, and here's, here's what aggravates me about this. Okay. Why is this even a story? Well, let's, let's, let's follow, let's follow the, um, the breadcrumb of ideas, so to speak. So people are saying that, what one the biggest thing that people are wondering right now is not if the game is good or not good. They're wondering if the game is gonna fail or not fail. And that's that's the MMO community. Every time an MMO comes out, yeah. it's the game's gonna fail. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Hmm. That, those are the only two options. <laughs> right. The game's gonna fail or it's not gonna fail. Like that's what they do. So on on this this ever this you know, ever sought after answer, if the game's gonna fail, you've got Forbes in quotes, who's you know the 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 uh, stock market genius uh, publication uh, that that comes out saying something like, "Oh, it cost them two hundred million dollars to make." And then the normal gamer who reads this is like, "Oh my god, that's a tremendous amount of money." They'll never be able to make all that money, which is $50 a box. You have to get, like, a whole lot of people to buy that game. And I don't know anyone who's <laughs> going to buy this game, and the game's going <laughs> to fail. And, like, this, like, this is the insanity that encircles around on I the internet. I feel like I've just listened to Twitter. <laughs> See? Like, re- read out loud. <laughs> yeah. And that this is what aggravates the hell out of me regarding this thing. Is it's It's because you've got... You've got a magazine publication that has no idea what on God's earth they're talking about when it comes to gaming. And honestly, a lot of their other ideas regarding the stuff they do know what they're talking about is extremely 
it's up in the air too. Yeah. yeah. That that well, said, it has an impact on gaming. It has an impact on us. People are lighting fires left and right. We're part of the community. We feel this because we want the game to succeed because we love Elder Scrolls. I don't want to see some damn troll come walking into my, you know, cornflakes and start, you know, doing whatever he's going to do in it because, you know, Forbes said something stupid. Go ahead, Kyle. Mm, Josh, what? sorry. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, sorry. I was just going to confirm because it was up in the air, like, how much do games cost to make and stuff like that. Mm. The Star Wars the Old, Re- the Old Republic did, in fact, spend $200 million yep. to develop their game. I have an article right here on game... Uh, on GameSpot that says so. So, and at the end of the day, yeah, I hope they spent $200 billion to make the game. Because what does that mean? They just had an amazing budget, and now I'm going to hopefully be able to get an even better Elder Scrolls Online experience. $200 billion, they can actually make an Elder Scrolls universe for us to live in. Yeah. Oculus Rift. <laughs> even that, I mean, an actual island for us to explore on. Oh, oh they can make billion. Nern, like the Death Star. They're making it out there right now. Terraforming. Yeah. Turn Australia oh, into the Alcure yeah. Desert. Come on. <laughs> oh, God. That's I think amazing. with a $200 billion budget, you might be able to say... The game, the game will fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could the game, never. the game might fail yeah. with a with a two hundred billion budget. <laughs> um, now, now with all this, with all this being, uh, you know, thrown out there on on uh, on ESO Alliance, Josh brings up a fantastic idea uh, earlier when we were talking about the about the uh, the voice actors, Josh. Oh yes, the voice well, actors. Why don't we start getting into that a little bit? Sounds good to me. Do you want me to just rephrase my question again that I had asked? Yeah, you just guys? just throw it all out there. Okay, yeah. So the the comment that I had received and the thing that really got me thinking was the fact that who knows? I, I don't know how much voice actors get paid, and especially if you're uh, a famous movie actor or something. But let's just say it's easily thousands of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Money that could have gone somewhere else in development. Um, do you guys think, and this is really, it boils down to your own personal taste and, and what you place value on, but for you guys, is it worth it? Is that money worth it for voice actors that you recognize from the movies and stuff like that? Or would you have been just as happy with some no-name voice actor voicing your characters? Go, go ahead, Lou. We haven't heard from you in a bit. Uh, I personally, I don't care. Um... It's nice that they bring voiceovers into the games, but again, I do like the fact that they brought this A-list cast into mm-hmm. the game. But I, in the end, I don't care if it if the voice actor, voice actress is good, it'll come across good. Yeah, I, it's all that matters at the end of the day. And at some points, you know, I'll do what Andrew does. I will space bar through everything <laughs> because you know I, my time is limited, so you know I have to get through it. It's there, it's nice, it's great, but I don't have time for it. So you know, I'm going to move along. Um, could that money be spent somewhere else? Yes. You know, again, we don't know what scale these voice actors, voice or actually, I should say, these stars, movie slash TV stars, are being paid. All right, they might be in a totally different pay scale than from regular voice actors. Actually, that's all they do. That's all the media they work in. But now you're talking with someone on the scale of Kate Beckinsale. All right, Malcolm McDowell. All right, their pay scale might be over here. Saying, yeah, this is what they get now. You know, this is what it costs to pay one dev an entire year's salary, by the way, plus his medical benefits, 
plus everything else he or she's entitled to. Um, so I guess, you know, companies have to find that fine balance between investing in their game, you know, where do they invest it? You know, is that, was that the best choice? I mean, I, I totally think they could have done this game without that A-list cast, and it would still come out great. I think, um... I, I'm sort of wondering if if this has anything to do with with um, agents for these people, kind of going out there and saying, you know, we're uh, Malcolm McDowell. You're you're a ph- phenomenal actor, but honestly, uh, if you if you walk up to a, a 20 year old kid these days, he's not going to know who you are, man. You just haven't done anything recently. Why don't we see if we can get you back out there as a recognizable name and face? Why don't we see? You know, gaming, man, gaming, Malcolm McDowell is is huge. It's coming out. It's come. It's getting big. It's going to be like, uh, you know, it's like film these days. Why don't we see if we can get you into a video game? And and maybe see if we can find something that that both you and the gaming studio uh, can can sort of come to an agreement on for your salary. Go there one day, won't hurt you a bit. Um, and and once you're done with that, part of of your compensation will be that the gaming studio goes out there and says, "Hey, you know what? This character was voiced by Malcolm McDowell, who's somebody who's really important." you know, young generation. And, and then Malcolm McDowell is happy. He gets a little money for, for one day spent doing some work. He gets a little FaceTime with the young generation and, and a, you know, maybe goes out there and makes movies geared toward that generation, which will earn him a higher yield salary. The reason why I, I go through all this is because I'm sort of wondering if maybe it didn't necessarily cost ZeniMax the amount of money that that maybe Steven Spielberg would would put down to have Malcolm McDowell involved in in a in in a project. Uh, Kyle, what what say you on that? Um, I honestly have no clue how much these people would have been paid, but mm. in the end, if anything, it's probably just a marketing ploy. I mean, it's something they can put on their box that they have all these uh, famous people in their games voicing these characters so to me that's all that is i mean of course any other voice actor could have done just a good job if not better but you have these very you know important well don't know how important they are but you have these famous people that are in this game yeah and hey and malcolm mcdowell was in psych i think last year so he's he's been working there you go there you go (laughs) andrew what do you think do you think it's uh, do you think maybe they got these guys at a lower cost just to sort of, you know, maybe uh, help them out a little bit? Or do you think that that maybe it really is just all all production value that, hey, this is this is a triple MMO. This is a fantastic game because look who we got to voice these actors who wanted to be involved in this project. Our game is a great game. It's all production uh, value. I think there may be something to what you're saying. But mm-hmm. at the end... I- by the same token, I think, you know, if you want A-list talent, you pay for A-list talent, even if it's just for a couple of days of, of voice acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they had to pay these actors and actresses, uh, you know, a, a industry fair wage for, for their time. But, you know, you get a lot of things out of it. I mean, Kate Beckinsale, that is going to sell some copies of your game. You know, people like Kate Beckinsale for a number of reasons. People like uh, the idea of, of Dumbledore, you know, being like a, a you know, it's, it's, pe- it gives people a, something to recognize and something to draw them in. And, 
you know, you're not going to sell everyone on your game with, with dev gameplay videos. You're not going to sell everyone on your game with cinematic trailers. There's different things that are going to appeal to different people. And being able to advertise that you have this A-list vocal cast, that's going to hit some people that maybe nothing else would. Uh, so, you know, it's a different angle that they can take with, with selling the game. Second point, you know, it, it, it's an issue of what they give up. You know, what are you giving up? What's your alternative if you were to spend your budget in a different way? You know, what, what, what else are you getting if you go with B-list voice talent? Mm. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what you don't get is you don't get more hours in the day for your existing devs. You know, you don't suddenly give them, you know, 16 hours a day to work with. Uh, what you might get is you might hire new devs, you might hire more devs, bring in a whole additional team, shore up the, the numbers of people on certain teams, but, you know, these, the organizational structure of a development team is something that a lot of people have figured out by now in software development. Like, you know, how many people can really collaborate and work together on a project where everyone's contributing code, everyone's contributing certain things to the game, you know, there's this saying, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. You can't just hire, you know, 50 more devs and expect to increase the scale of your production proportionately. So it's hard to say what they gave up. You know, maybe, maybe you can make the argument that, you know, we could have had in-game housing if we had B-list voice talent. And, you know, it might be up to you to think about, well, which would I prefer? But I don't think it hurts the game. I mean, I, I think... I think it's a choice that they made and they had budget for it and I think that you know it's like I said it's just another way they can they can have their project reach reach people who would want to buy it. All right. Um anyone else? All right. Moving on to our second and final misconception. Guys, this game's going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to fail. How do you know that? Mm. It's gonna fail because he's the prophet. Because because my my friend who who knows a dev said the game's gonna fail. <laughs> or uh, the game will be the WoW killer, the the one game to rule them all, the game that will destroy the world of Warcraft, the beast itself, the beast itself. Azeroth will. Dwindle away, Blizzard will say, Oh no, we're losing all these subscribers to this one game. Curse you, Elder Scrolls Online. <laughs> misconception. Andrew, why? That that's a misconception? Oh my. <laughs> I, I I keep being told that it's the game is gonna fail. Is that not have I am I wrong oh sorry. I, I guess I keep seeing that on the internet, and I just like thought that the game was going to fail. It's going to fail. Keep saying it. Yeah, I I just keep reading that. Uh, um, Forbes said the game's going to fail indirectly, right? It must be true. You've... It wasn't indirectly at all. <laughs> they <laughs> said it in plain text. Pretty much. Why is no, this a I'd... misconception? Yeah. I, well, you know, <laughs> where should I start? Uh, you know, there there's. <laughs> What does it mean for a game to fail? Does it, you know, does it mean financial success? Does it mean that the developers achieved everything they wanted to with the game? In in both cases, I I think there's no way that ESO will be a complete success in that it's not going to make more money than anything else ever, and it's not going to be perfect. But it's obviously not going to be a failure either. And I think to say it will be 
is is pretty short sighted and and a bit ridiculous. Um, now, what about what about the argument that uh, the game's going to fail and it's going to go free to play within the first months of of launch? I think when when you talk about an MMO and the MMO community, I think a lot of times when they say the game's going to fail, what they really mean is the game's going to come out, a ton of people are going to play it for the first three months, and then it's going to experience this tremendous population exodus where um, all of a sudden now the, the game developers don't know what to do. They have to scramble to keep up populations on their servers. They close servers down, and then within eight months of the game launching, they go free to play. Um, because they can't keep population coming and they need to find some way to bring revenue into the the company, i.e. the game has failed. Well, I know ESO will have that problem since they're working on the mega server concept. So server population is not, you know, won't be an issue because everyone's on the same server, essentially. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, where are they going to work that, that mega server? Um, the fact that, you know, number one, the game isn't even out yet and to prophesize its death <laughs> from what little what information we get you know we received from Zoss. prophesizing uh, like, it when they fir- when they first announced it and uh, uh yeah way back yeah. when this is the internet crowd is just bored and just wants to see things fail um and by the same token andrew was saying before like what determines a game's failure all right is it financial is it just technical you know what aspects you know does it contain i mean you could talk about games like the now defunct Star Wars Galaxies. All right, that game was shut down recently. You know, you know it was shut down before Star Wars: Republic was released. Mm-hmm. You know, argument can be made. Did it need to be shut down because it was doing so poorly? It all depends on who you talk to. Yeah. All right, you know, I played that game before. I was having fun with it. I I enjoyed it. Okay, and you know, I for one could have played both Galaxies and Tor. At the same time, and enjoy both games immensely. Um, so again, you know what determines the game will fail. All right, it, it all depends on not you know any of us, you know, not the end of the community. Well, do you think do you think Elder Scrolls Online is going to go through that that normal um, up and down that that has been plaguing MMOs since you know for years? Yeah, now? I, I, I definitely yeah. think it will. I mean, at this point, it's that it's a recurring trend. You're going to get that three-month explosion because everyone's going to play the first three months because mm-hmm. what, what happens when you buy, first buy a game? You're going to get 30 days for free. Yeah. Okay? You may pay for a month just to continue on. Or at least when you play, you, you may sub up, like, what are the subscription plans, plans usually? One month, three months, half a year, a year. Okay? Mm-hmm. As a standard subscription plan. So you got to choose a monthly plan or the 90-day plan or what have you. So again, you know, after three months, most people will say, you know, that's how long it takes for people to burn through content to get from starting level to whatever max level it is at that time for the game. Yeah. Okay. So then, I mean, I think it's, I think it's just open and honest to say that it, the game is definitely going to go through through an up and down in its first three months. But I mean, do you do you think it's going to experience the kind of catastrophic failure? That that we've seen in other MMOs that have that have pushed it toward a free to play model. Do you think? Do you think that that's going to happen to Elder Scrolls Online? Do you foresee that happening at all? Well, I'll kick this over to uh, to Andrew. I think it's on Zenimax, and I think that's where you you know where you want the responsibility to fall. It's like 
the developers are the ones that ultimately are going to be accountable for for what happens to their game. You know, if they are able to hit their targets of a, you know, four to six week development cycle where they can release new zones, new content, adventure zones, you know, if they continue to work on the tuning and balance of Cyrodiil, their, you know, self-sustaining PvP endgame, uh, I mean, they have the ability to retain subscribers. I mean, you can look at the MMO, World of Warcraft, and you can see that a game is easily capable of retaining subscribers. But, you know, it's on the developer to make sure that you're providing a fun experience for your players that stays new. And, you know, the the community will do the rest because people will get engaged. They'll get, you know, involved with guilds, with friends that they have playing the game. And, you know, once you get that ball rolling, it's really easy to, to stay playing a game. So, I don't know. I think, I think obviously, uh, as any MMO does, Elder Scrolls is going to have periods of, um, you know, of, of booms and busts where, you know, in between patch cycles, maybe people are starting to get a little bit, you know, down on the game or they're, they're you know, they've already beaten the last adventure zone and they're like stuck waiting for the next one. But, um, I mean, I think it's, it's about emphasizing that you're providing a service that's more than just what you buy in the original box. And it seems to me like what everything I've heard from Zenimax so far they recognize that and they're they're really putting like a high a high value on providing that service and that's why they feel comfortable in justifying a subscription fee so you know live up to it if if their devs can step up to the plate and earn that subscription i think they'll be just fine they have uh, to earn it though they they do they they definitely do because these days when it comes to mmo you might as well say hey guys we're coming out with an mmo ergo uh, hey guys we're coming out with a failure I think that's what a lot of a lot of cynical, uh, immature MMO gamers think of when they hear of new MMO. It doesn't matter what they say. New MMO means uh, something new to gawk at. Josh and then Kyle, um, your your thoughts, please. Um, basically, I think you could summarize the misconception, at least the one where people are saying it's going to fail. That sort of jumping to conclusions and trying to forecast the future, mm. it just makes me think that those people really, in their mind, their definition of, of a failed MMO, because there's no way of knowing. No one knows if, if this game's going to fail. In their mind, though, failing would be to not be the next WoW. And I know personally, I know people like this. If your MMO is not the next World of Warcraft, it's going to fail. Well, let me, I got some news for you, every MMO that's probably ever going to release in the future then by those standards is going to be a failure because I think by now we can all realize that World of Warcraft was just a, a phenomenal phenomenon. You know, it was, it was random. It's something that probably won't be reproduced again. And whether that be because the planets aligned in a certain way or it just innovated, it did something different that other MMOs didn't do at the time, what have you. At the end of the day, I think the people that hold this this misconception, it will fail, should just think, you know, for instance, and I used this example on on ESO Weekly just recently. Does does Battlefield, you know, they make shooters. Does a Battlefield game release, and because it doesn't sell as many copies as Call of Duty, is it a failure? No, absolutely not. I'll tell you what, any MMO that succeeds... 
are the MMOs whose servers are still running today. Because those MMOs obviously must be still making money. They must be doing something right. And whether that be a subscription MMO like an EVE Online or a World of Warcraft or a non-subscription, they wouldn't be running the servers if they weren't making money. So at the end of the day, I think everyone needs to take a step back and really kind of sit on what is actually important. And that's, is the game going to be successful or a failure for you personally? Because that's all that really matters. I could play The Elder Scrolls Online and love it, think it was very successful, spend many hours in it. And for me, it was a success. The person next to me might play it, play it for an hour or two. It wasn't their thing. And for them, it was a failure. So I think the whole misconception is just skewed to begin with. I, I just I just want to get out and say one more time um, to to Elder Scrolls fans out there for for if if, if you've been playing this series as long as Arena um, or maybe you've you've come in rather recently I I, I just want to say that this game is meant for our community for the Elder Scrolls community however big or small this game ever turns out to be this will always be our game. This is a game for the Elder Scrolls community. Take pride in that. Go in there and and feel like you're you're playing an Elder Scrolls game because that's what it is. And you know, again, to say it's not going to it's not going to be that that single player Elder Scrolls experience that maybe you felt in Morrowind or maybe even in Skyrim, be okay with that because you're going to get a fantastic game experience anyway. You just got to be a little open mind to some of the MMO stuff, but this is, this is our game. Elder Scrolls guys, this is our game and it's built for us. And I think as a community, we should, we should embrace it. Go ahead, uh, Kyle, please. Well, I think it's been summarized pretty well already. I think when it comes to like the long-term success, it's first going to start off with a successful launch um, I know Bethesda isn't always, you know, very popular in that regard. Uh, but this is a brand new company, really. This is their first game that they're putting out. So they have everything to prove. So they're going to want to make sure that they do things right the first time. Um, and then it's going to come down to the end game because, you know, 1 through 50 is already done for the most part. Um, so it's going to come down to that end game uh, content and the continuation of that content, which they're promising to do, uh, like Andrew said, every four to six weeks. Yeah. And, um, they're already sort of they're already working on it now, so that kind of proves that they are gun ho about putting out that content since they are already working on uh, post launch content. All right, uh, well that's that's it for discussion points, but uh, the show the show doesn't end here, folks. Uh, Tamriel yeah. Foundry and Shoddycast they they come onto the show and they they uh, they they don't come here empty handed. Uh, no, sir. They they are good guests, and they always bring in you know dessert for us. So uh, let's uh, let's start with Andrew. What uh, what sort of did you bring the cheesecake, sir? I I did not bring cheesecake, but as I mentioned earlier, well, damn in it. The show we have <laughs> sage cake, oh, as it were. <laughs> sage cake. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, just want to remind everyone once again that tomorrow afternoon. 2 p.m. Eastern on Tamriel Foundry. Live forum Q&A with Paul Sage, creative director of Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, he knows way more about the game than any of the five of us. 
Uh, and perhaps if you ask him the right sorts of questions, he might just tell you. So um, definitely pop over to the site. If you haven't registered on TF yet, get to it. Uh, drop into the comments of that article. It'll unlock just a couple of minutes before two, and you can get your questions in for Paul. And I guess my goal is to have such a great community turnout that he just, you know, gets tired before he can possibly answer all of them. So um, I think, you know, think about what you might want to ask him about the PVE systems in ESO and, uh, and definitely pop over to TF to, to ask those questions. Uh, I talked about the, um, you know, the article that Isari wrote about the, the, the rating, the ESRB rating. Don't need to rehash that. I think we had a great discussion of it. But, you know, in addition to that, We've had some other, you know, interesting articles recently about like account security, what Zenimax might do. Hmm. Will they, you know, will they have an authenticator? Will they, you know, what, what steps will they take to help you protect your online identity? Um, you know, we're, we're always releasing articles that we hope are interesting to the, the ESO community. So, uh, you know, give us a follow and um, yeah, I think that's, that's about all I've got. Uh, for this episode, I just uh, I, I just want to say um, good luck tomorrow with with yeah. that, that interview. I know that's that's a huge, 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 huge deal. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, thank you for, for getting that. We'll hope for you know no technical issues, and we'll have our moderators on hand to keep things running smoothly. So um, yeah, get some get some great information. And, we hope. Uh, we hope we'll definitely have an article afterwards or maybe even in the in the actual interview article ex- itself where you can if you miss the live Q&A you can come back later and we'll have like interview style the question and answer format that you can read through and see what uh see what Paul had to say cool i uh, i look forward to uh covering it on uh next week's elder scrolls off the record yeah absolutely and uh Josh and Kyle did you bring the jello mold uh, no, I hate Jello. Oh, what's the point of it, really? Honestly, come on. But uh, no, we don't have too much. Well, we don't really have any information. Uh, we did have a poll though a couple weeks ago where we were asking people, it's like, well, what kind of information did you want to hear about ESO? And well, it was really kind of spread throughout the board, but it was all about like questing and exploration. They want endgame, pretty much all PVE stuff they want, and they're tired of PvP stuff. And then it was kind of amusing that like that week or like the week after they announced that they were going to have all this PVE information coming out. So I thought it was really good timing. And uh, again, I'm just so happy they're going to start uh, divulging us with all this information. On what PVE. we're saying, what we're saying is that Zenimax online reads the shoddy cast each and every day and looks at those polls. That's basically what that's saying, right? <laughs> totally. Why wouldn't they? I mean, they got the I... release date from me. So I'm just, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> This is what we do, folks. The shoddy cast talking out their asses. Tune in every Wednesday, ESO Weekly. You know, at one only point, only on YouTube. Paul Paul Sage was like, uh, you know, Matt, uh, you know, Kyle had said uh, the release date's going to be, you know, and and Matt was like, oh, what the? F- wow. <laughs> uh, there goes the computer. There it goes. There. Ah, oh, now we got to buy Matt another another computer. They're like, and- you know what? That date would look good on a poster. <laughs> Four, four, fourteen. <laughs> I like it. Kyle's genius. Do it, Paul. Okay. 
and I'll, and I'll, maybe I'll go ahead and get you another another computer, Matt. Yeah, do that too. <laughs> yeah, I can see them in the in the room there in the office with their marketing team yelling at them because they're like, "This guy over here is doing a better job than you. What am I paying you all for?" <laughs> <laughs> poor poor Mister Fire. I don't know if we're painting him in the best best of lights. <laughs> no man, Throwing he's stuff, a breaking things. <laughs> Hey, if you can't poke fun at the boss, who can you poke fun at, right? That's true. That's true. Um, well, I, I guess I guess that's it, folks. Uh, that that's the end of our notes. Therefore, it must be the end of our show. Uh, let's let's go ahead and go uh, around the panel. Uh, we'll start with Lou and give our our final thoughts and our final word on ESO Alliance Three. Well, it was great being here. It was an honor being with you all here, gentlemen. Glad to be part of this. Um, Really meaty episode tonight. I mean, a lot of stuff was discussed. A lot of great points were brought up. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. And Andrew? Yeah, just echo what Lou said. Thanks so much for having us on the show. Thanks for, to mostly, mo- most importantly, thanks to the audience for showing up. You guys rock. We wouldn't be here if no one, you know, came to, to watch us. So, uh, you know, clearly you have horrible taste. And for that, we... Uh, <laughs> We thank you, you know, that you're, you're willing to sit here for two hours and, and listen to me go on about, about ESO. Um, but yeah, it was great to be on the show, and uh, I hope to see you guys on TF tomorrow for the, the Q&A. Kyle? Can we advertise, like, shameless whores? Yeah, why? Okay, of course. Awesome. Go for it. Um, well, like <laughs> everyone else, I'm going to be a parrot. Thank you, uh, chat room, for joining us. And, of course, the devs that are in the room, as always, thank you for that. Um, but yes, shoddycast.com. You will see all our posts there. Our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash shoddycast. Uh, also on Twitch, I will be making more frequent appearances. Uh, Kyle underscore shoddycast, which I'll also be streaming ESO once you know it's legal. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> That's it. Make it happen. Yeah. Uh, Josh, anything? Your final nah, thoughts, Just uh, pretty much echoing you guys right thanks for showing up everyone and thanks to ivarwin for you know putting this on for us you're the one that really actually puts this together and and makes it possible and that's an awesome background too by the way the backdrop you have with oh you you like that you like very cool that is a nice touch that was provided by uh our our awesome community manager here at quest gaming network uh more q of tamriel who's also one of my co-hosts for Classic Elder Scrolls Night. That's awesome. Well, maybe yeah. he can do some templates for us. We're not very artistic on the shoddy cast, so <laughs> that would be yeah. that'd be definitely welcome. You could but, reach uh, out to us and we'll we'll see if he's uh, if he's got time and all that and you know, he might. Then then you'd have to rename the show. You can't. That's true. Got to keep it shoddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it would be the well-produced cast. <laughs> The really nice looking high production value yeah, cast. Just with crayon and marker. Just. Yeah. And then, then it gets it gets long on Twitter and <laughs> Um Andrew, I don't know if we if we gave you the chance to sort of, you know, throw out uh Tamriel Foundry uh and where he can reach you and all that and We like to keep it a secret. Okay, that's not good, but <laughs> you know, I just figured it was the you, elite you know... PvP crowd. You know who to ask. It's like the getting into the thieves guild. You have to like get caught yeah. committing a crime, and then someone will pass you a note with our like web address. No, it's tamrielfoundry.com. <laughs> I, I I'll give it away. That's that's a uh, 
it's hidden in plain sight, like like the doctor's yeah. name. Like the best stealth things. It's right where you least expect it. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Did she turn into the fern, or was the fern there the whole time? I do not know this. Um, okay, so, so there you have it, folks. ESO Alliance 3, broadcasting from the Weichel Tower, from the Somerset Isles to Skyrim, from High Rock to Morrowind, this has been ESO Alliance Episode 3. I have been your humble host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Eve Arwen, and this has been a Quest Gaming Network production in association with Tamriel Foundry, ShoddyCast, and the Middle Earth Network. Chatroom, thank you very much for joining us today. We had a wonderful showing. We really appreciate all of your input. And, of course, to ZeniMax Online Studios, Community Managers, Jessica Falsam and Gina Bruno. Jessamax and Gina Max, take a bow, bow, ladies. Thank you so much for, for being so generous with your time and hanging out with our chat room, talking to them and answering their questions. Take care, everyone. Have a safe night. And may the foos be with you. (laughs) 